Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Pengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, I just texting Jonathan. <laughs> we have an extra hour today um, because uh, uh, Dorothy Diana, instead of doing uh, her sex and sensuality report, uh, is on vacation. And this being the summertime, that makes sense. <laughs> so a lot of my folks are on vacation. So uh, Derek, I think, is off for the next couple of weeks doing vacation stuff. So everybody's having fun, uh, except me. <laughs> I'm stuck here working. Um, but that's going to change one day. I'm going to get a massive travel budget. I might just take a year off and go traveling. Uh, that, that's actually a plan um, to travel the whole country. Just keep showing up in different places with my computer and my, my video cell phone and uh, who knows what else and just go meet America and introduce the whole idea of citizen legislation to everybody. Could be fun. Could be a lot of work. Could be a blast. I don't know what's going to happen. Could be dangerous. I mean, <laughs> who knows? That's, that's what makes it all so intriguing. So that's, uh, that's in the works. So Jonathan, who knows how long he'll be with us. Pianchi, same thing. He might be with us for a while too. I've got the first hour. And so as, as much as I tried to open this first hour up to local folks, um, there's, uh, there's some issues with the, with the local groups here. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, so I, I keep finding groups that I want to join, and then I find that I don't want to be there anymore. <laughs> and so it, it's kind of a – we'll see what's going on. But uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of local politics uh, in this area. And without going into too much detail, it's, uh, it, it's quite fascinating. Um, to see how it's all working out. I just left another group uh, yesterday. <laughs> like, okay, you're going to say that about me? Okay, fine. I'm, I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> anyway, but that's uh, that's the, the nature of social media. Sometimes it's not that social. So it's okay. So you just move on do other stuff. All right. We have a ton of stuff to, to talk about today. Uh, I've got uh, – let me get the title of the show here. So I'll start there. We've got uh, the Trump 2024 campaign platform. And what I did was I listened to, actually, I listened to the Georgia speech, wrote down everything that, that Trump talked about as I'm going to, you know, in 2024, you know, fill in the, in the blank. And I've got a bunch of this, like 30 things he mentioned. Uh, and then Jonathan, we were talking yesterday off the air, and he said, well, you should listen to the North Carolina speech. It was really good. So I did. I did that this morning. So I've heard both Trump speeches. And there was only a couple of extra things in North Carolina, which is, I, I was surprised there were any simply because, you know, politicians, uh, even Trump, who's like the non-politician politician, politician uh, they have a stump speech. They, they, uh, they keep saying the same things. They, they don't give a brand new speech every time. No one writes a brand new speech. They're, it's called the stump speech. So when they're on the stump, in other words, when they're campaigning, most of it's the same. Uh, so it's kind of like a formula. So initially they'll thank the local people. You know, so everybody gets involved and talk about how wonderful wherever he is, is, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of standard. Uh, then you get to the main body of the speech that's repeated most places, and then you'll get some proposals. And those, of course, can change. But I think the platform – see, Trump is so far ahead this time compared to the first time. That's what's so amazing about this. That ironically, he's going to be a much better president his third term because he was obviously elected to the second term. But he'll be a much better president his third term than he would have been if he'd served two consecutive terms even though that's the law and that's what he should have done, that's the way it should have gone because he won. He won the, the, the second election by a landslide. Um, and I was thinking about this today. When, when people tell you, well, there's no evidence that uh, you know, Trump won the election, well, and the response, my new response is, well, there's no evidence that you will look at that Trump won the electing election because there's plenty of evidence that he won. Uh, there's no evidence that the courts will look at either. Well, the courts, you know, let, me, let me start again. Well, the courts ruled that he didn't win. No, the courts didn't look at the, the evidence either. How do they do that? It's easy. They're corrupt. <laughs> you know, so as long as you have an answer for everything ready to go, you look really intelligent. 
And that's always a good thing to, to at least look intelligent. I try to. Um, but that's how you answer that question. There's no evidence. Well, there's no evidence you will look at. Well, the courts ruled. You know, the, they, they, they found no evidence. Okay, well, they didn't look at the evidence either. I mean, you can do this all day. What about Congress? They didn't hold a committee on the stolen election. You know, they didn't find any evidence. No, they didn't look either. <laughs> you know, what about – there's no evidence that there were FBI uh, agents, you know, uh, and, and Capitol Hill police. Well, yeah, there is, actually. Uh, again, the videos are there, but you're not going to look at them, so there's no point in talking about it to you. You know, and that's, that's how I kind of handle that. All right, so we've got the Trump 2024 platform. We've also got a, we've also got a racist Supreme Court decision. Now, this is not big news. Uh, it is around here because I find it fascinating. But nationally, it's not big news. Worldwide, it's not big news. I really haven't found it in too many places. Politico had an article. But what uh, the Supreme Court did, uh, the, the conservative majority is gone. Um, the Chief Judge Roberts and uh, Frat Boy Kavanaugh, as I call him, Judge Kavanaugh. Now, you'll notice I use the word judge, and people are thinking, gee, Greg, you must be pretty ignorant. They're supposed to be called justice. No, they're not. I can find no evidence online where there was an official transfer of the name from, from judge to justice. You read, this, you read the Constitution, Article 3. Uh, I just happen to have about five copies to my left, <laughs> just in case I lose one, right? So Article 3 says very, very clearly. Let me see if I can pull up Article 3. Article 2. Hang on, wait a minute. Those are the amendments. Where's Article 3? It's the last. There's like six articles in the Constitution. There's Article 2. That's the president. The longest one is Article 1, of course, because that deals with the Congress. Article 3, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and such inferior courts. Well, the Supreme Court's pretty inferior, too, but that's another story. And such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. In other words, create and keep. <laughs> that's what ordain and establish mean. Ordain means to create and, uh, and uh, officially, you know, bring into, into uh Exist and then established means that they're they're once they're established in the until they're unestablished they're enforced so create and enforce and then it says the judges both of the supreme and inferior courts shall hold their offices during times of good behavior let me say that again the judges both of the supreme court of the supreme and inferior courts shall hold their offices wait a minute what about lifetime no it's not lifetime for this is during good behavior. So the two big myths are, one, they're called justices, and two, it's a lifetime appointment. Neither of those is true. They're called judges in the Constitution, and they're only there for good behavior. Now, I would say that um, six of the nine judges should be removed right now for bad behavior. Oh, gee, Greg, well, let me channel Rush Limbaugh a little bit. You guys don't talk about Rush Limbaugh enough. He was great. You know, he, you know so I'll say, let me, let me channel Rush Limbaugh. But, but Greg, but Greg. You know, how, how can you say that they can be removed? It's a lifetime appointment. How can they be removed for bad behavior? What do you, what do you consider bad behavior? <laughs> well, this case, <laughs> this case, this racist uh, Supreme Court case. And we're going to talk about this more with Jonathan when he comes on. But uh, the reason it's such a bad case is because, as we all know, voting is an individual right. Uh, but the Supreme Court treated it as a group right. And there's no such thing as group rights. We, we discussed that in our Australian Bill of Individual Rights. So there's no such thing as a group right. So that's why you can't have a, a black vote or a white vote officially. I mean, you can't it's statistically, sociologically. I mean, nobody cares, right? It's just, it's just interesting information. But as far as rewarding, creating, um, voting based on a group, that is unconstitutional because voting is an individual right. So when the Supreme Court comes along and creates completely illegally two black voting districts in Alabama as a, quote, redress of grievances, they have actually interfered with the vote. 
that is voting obstruction, voting interference, it's voting segregation. It's doing the very thing that the Voting Rights Act, which they're using to sponsor, to, to justify this ridiculously illegal action of the court. Um, that's what the, that's what the, I want to start again. That's what they're using to justify it. That the Voting Rights Act says that they can create two black districts because voters should be represented by skin color. That's racism. That is like the worst kind of racism, because what they're what they're saying is you're too stupid to vote with your brain. You're only smart enough to vote with your skin color. That's racist. <laughs> okay. So this is a racist Supreme Court decision. So what they say is they're citing Article Two or Section Two of of the Voting Rights Act, which is Title Five. Well, Title Five says you cannot discriminate, you cannot block access, you cannot in any way hinder anybody's individual right to vote which is a good thing. That's, that's proper. And that's what the 15th Amendment says, too. Let's go to the 15th Amendment. I wasn't planning to talk about this till Jonathan, but that's okay. I, I'm here now, so I might as well follow it through so we have some kind of consistency. 15th Amendment. That's uh, 14th Amendment. 14th Amendment is too long. It's like three sections. Three sections too long. 15th Amendment. The right of citizens of the United States. Oh, let me say that again. The right of citizens of the United States to vote. <laughs> the right of citizens of the United States to vote. Not the right of people in the country, okay, or the right of people. So once again, the affirmation that the Constitution only applies to citizens of the United States. 15th Amendment, the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, I've said the same thing, right, or previous condition of servitude, in other words, slavery. Uh, I wonder if indentured servitude counts. How about how about uh, you know being a, an American Indian on a reservation? <laughs> is that a, is that is that a condition of somehow servitude or less than full citizenship status? Yeah, probably. Anyway, but the point is that it says very clearly that the uh, the right of citizens of the United States to vote can't be touched. You, you can't mess with it. People have a right to vote. Okay, you cannot make it in any way more difficult to vote. But what it does say is that you can make it any easier, or you can favor one group over another. You cannot, you know, mandate that people be transported to the, the polling place. You cannot mandate that, uh, you know, ballot harvesters can take their vote and uh, turn it in for them. You cannot mandate that the states have to, you know, change their laws to accommodate COVID. None of that's in there. All you can do is not stop it, not hinder it, not restrict it. And that's what rights are about prior restraint. And there was a, a right is something that the government cannot touch in, in terms of restricting or infringing upon. But what the state cannot do is enhance or pick favorites or do it by group because that's unconstitutional, right? Remember, if it's not in the Constitution, they can't do it. Then it says, Section 2, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Well, they created legislation they thought was appropriate, and for the most part, the legislation is appropriate. However, the application and enforcement is completely illegal. So, the, so the, the, what uh, Title Section 2 says basically is the same thing, that you cannot discriminate against people. For any reason, you cannot hinder their ability to vote. You cannot have poll taxes, literacy tests, uh, any of the other machinations of segregation that the Democrats came up with to stop black people from voting. That's what it says. And so uh, what the Supreme Court – hey, Marco's on. I just turned on live chat. I should have turned on earlier. Marco in the Netherlands has, has uh, joined us probably a few minutes ago, actually. Uh, let me see. 7-Eleven – no, right now. <laughs> I just turned it on as he turned it on. So that's kind of cool. So, Marco, catch the first part. I had, a, I had a pretty cool, you know, opening 11 minutes here. Anyway, so the Supreme Court cannot create rights. They cannot emphasize and, and favor rights. They cannot favor groups over individuals. They can't do any of that stuff. And yet that's exactly what they did by creating two black districts in Alabama. 
predominantly black districts, because like I said, they're so dumb. They think that people uh, vote only with their skin color, not with their brain. You talk to black Americans across America or any group, group of, that you may come up with, you know, in terms of race, sex, you know, income, you know, uh, national origin, religion, it doesn't matter. You're going to find a, a diverse range of opinions. You know, and so that's how it works. So the idea that you have to create a black district because the, the assumption is that, of course, that all blacks vote the same. That's what the Democrats are saying, right? Because it, why would you create a black district if all blacks didn't vote the same? That wouldn't make sense if you're a racist Democrat. So thinking as a racist Democrat, thinking that all blacks vote with their skin color, not with their brains as individuals, but they vote as a group. You know, that's the, 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 the natural remedy, you know, especially if you want more Democrats in office, is to create black voting districts. Well, that's segregation, <laughs> you know? I mean, so in other words, the Democrats, you know, prevented black Americans from voting when it benefited them. And now because most black Americans vote for Democrats, they're, they're enhancing black Americans' ability to vote for Democrats. Well, that's wrong, too. You cannot deny, nor can you advantage. I mean, the, the Constitution's equal for everybody. That's what individual rights are all about. So, so the Supreme Court justified illegally their, their mandate to force a state to create black districts, which they can't do because they have no power to create law, regulation, or policy. Now, here's where this gets a little more interesting. So I'm going to step back a little bit here. So that's we're going to do more of that case. Clarence Thomas points that out very clearly. Uh, and I'll get into Section 2 and some of the other stuff in a little bit. Uh, let, me just, uh, let me just – actually, I should probably do that right now. So let me pull up Section 2, U.S. Code. Here we go. 52 U.S. Code, Section 10101, Voting Rights of Title V. It says race, color, or previous condition not to affect right to vote. That's right out of the 15th Amendment. Uniform standards for voting. Da, da, da. Number one, A1, all citizens of the United States. Ah, once again, the only people that can vote are citizens of the United States. So anybody else that votes that's not a citizen, that's here on a visa, that's, a, that's, an, that's an immigrant with permanent residence status, that's illegal. That's unconstitutional. Not only in the Constitution, but per the 15th Amendment, but also here in uh, Title V, uh, section 101101, part A1, <laughs> for those of you nerds that uh, get into legislation like I do. All right? So this is very clearly, very clearly here. All citizens of the United States who are otherwise, quali- who are otherwise qualified by law to vote uh, at any election, uh, in other words, they're not felons, okay, because felons can't vote. Uh, and I'm not sure why ex-felons can't vote. If you served your time, you should be able to vote. I'm, I'm for full restoration of all rights once you're out of prison, and that includes gun rights. What about gun rights for violent felons? Well, you don't lose – you know, if you're, if you're denying rights to due process and someone has a 20-year sentence, they get all their rights back after 20 years. And if they're not safe to exercise those rights, you leave them in prison. That's what parole is all about. Oh, sorry, you can't go yet. <laughs> you know, um, so that's, that's, we'll hold that discussion sometime. Anyway, so it's qualified to vote at any election by the people in a state, territory, district, county, city, parish, township, school district, municipality, or other territorial subdivision – shall be entitled and allowed to vote at all such elections without dis- distinction of race. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. They just violated the law. It says shall be in- entitled and allowed to vote at all such elections. And then it says without distinction of race. Well, wait a minute. The Supreme Court just made a distinction by race. They created two black districts in the state of Alabama for a proportional skin color representation, which, of course, is a, is a racist concept created by Democrats. But the law just says without discrimination, distinction of race. So they violated the law and the Constitution with this decision. It's pretty bad. This is color or previous condition of servitude. That's lighting rich right out of the 15th Amendment. 
any constitution, law, custom, or regulation of any state or territory or by or under its authority to the contrary, notwithstanding. In other words, the Supreme Court violated this law because they just said that you can't do it. You can't change this law. Then it says no person acting under color of law. In other words, law enforcement. Well, that includes the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court, you know, gives opinions on laws. They are, in fact, a branch of law enforcement. The courts are part of law enforcement, just as the police are. So then it says no person acting under color of law. That would include Supreme Court judges, A, in determining whether an individual is qualified as a and apply any standard practice or procedure different from the standards, practices, or procedures applied under such law or laws to other individuals within the same county. Well, they violated that too. Because they said black Americans can have their own district and they're mandating the black Americans vote in their own district. Two of them, in fact. <laughs> you know, and I guess the white voters vote in the white districts. Well, if that's not segregation, I don't know what is. <laughs> this is why this is so funny. So they violated the section too. So what have I got? I've got two, uh, two to three you know, violations of law plus a couple of violations of the Constitution. All in one decision. I haven't even read the decision yet. But they're off to a really bad start. <clears throat> so this is no person acting under color of law. Uh, shall apply any standard practice or procedure different from the standards, practices, or otherwise applied to individuals. We're not applying to individuals. They're applying it to groups, which makes what they did illegal. Or a similar political subdivision who have been found by state officials to be qualified to vote. So just because you know, a, a, a group of black folks in a district are qualified to vote does not mean you segregate them by district. Uh, anyway, so got enough of that. <laughs> so you get the idea. So the law basically mirrors the, um, the Constitution, Article 5, uh, 15th Amendment, uh, and just makes it you know, enforceable. And then Section 2, the one they're all raving about in the, Constitution, in, the, in the Supreme Court opinion, just basically says Attorney General can enforce Section 1. <laughs> you know? So that's how that works out. All right. So... Interesting, interesting stuff here. All right, so the, that's that's the first thing I want to do. So I need to, I need to let me let me play my um, my musical interludes here um, as as I break to do to do something uh, different. Let me see if I can find uh, to, 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 I need, where are the quick ones. I like the quick ones. Here we go. This means this indicates a subject change. Radio, dangerously cool. Well, that's fun. I actually managed to uh, mute my mic, stretch, and come back down again and turn it back on. <laughs> okay, subject change. Let's go on to the Trump speech. Oh, let me tell you about Friday first, and then we'll get on to the Trump speech. Oh, looks like Pianki's here already. Um, okay, so let, I have a well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of work this through. So, Pianki, I'm going to be a little restrictive because of a lot of stuff I want to cover, but we have Jonathan probably for, for two hours instead of one because Dorothy's not here today. So we've got lots of time to chat. So I'll, I'll let you know how I'm thinking uh, as we go through this. But so let's get your initial opinions on the Supreme Court case, and then we can talk about it again, and then we'll get into Trump's program. And I want to tell you what happened Friday. Friday was an amazing day. So let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's start with uh, how was your weekend? <laughs> we'll go from there. Hey, Bianchi. It was fine, and the Supreme Court did not break the law. Yeah, they did. I just, I just showed how. No, they did. I just proved it. They didn't break the law. They don't. Yeah. You, 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 see, the problem is they can make an opinion on anything. Mm-hmm. If the state, if Alabama created a district based on skin color, that's breaking the law. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's the same so thing. The Supreme Court, Court is it, no, the, no, this so, just gave an opinion. It's just no, like no, 1965 no. Voters' Rights Act. It mm-hmm. was a dissent decree, and states didn't have to go along with it, but they did go along with it. Yeah, they didn't we have to give the Supreme well, Court too much power. How much? Well, let me think about that for a second, because how much uh, force goes into a consent decree? In other words, yes, they have to consent to it, but what kind of uh, enforcement, coercion, extortion goes into creating a consent decree? In other words, what are the penalties for have, not consulting? They don't have the power. <laughs> okay. A consent decree is an agreement between – it's just an agreement between parties. They come to an informal agreement. They don't have to stick to it. Uh, it they can get out of it anytime they want to, just like it was with the 55-mile-hour speed limit. I don't think so. I think there's something – I'll have to look into this a little more carefully. This would be a good Jonathan question. I think a consent decree is, is something that they consent to rather than have a, some massive punishment put on top of them. Let me write down consent decree. It's a really good it's question. It's not no punishment. It's the same thing when, when Eric Holder went to Ferguson. All he did was a consent decree. Ferguson didn't have to agree with it. Matter of fact, they backed out of many of the issues in the long run. Okay. Let me talk about why I think that they, they broke the law. Um, because I just read under color of law. And so what I'm saying is that uh, the courts, as the courts you know, do convictions and sentencing, they are part of law enforcement. So they are acting under color of law. So the Supreme Court in ordering this, now I know and you know that, and we'll get into uh, something. Uh, it's because the law gives them the right to do that. Right. So they have no right the to do Supreme that. However, make law. Right. No, Supreme they can't. Court can't now, make law. But anyway, I'm going to let you go on with your program. No, that's okay. You know, it's, it's a good point. I'm not trying to dismiss it, but what I'm saying is my evidence for what I said is the fact that the law specifically says that under color of law, they can't discriminate. And my contention is that they created a group and they created an individual right to vote as a group right. And so they completely misconstrued that. So I think they acted illegally. I know they acted unconstitutionally. Uh, and we'll, we'll get Jonathan in. We'll, we'll like a separation of powers. So you got, got one. They acted irresponsible is what they acted. But they think, but they they told the legislature uh-huh. of Alabama to draw up a segregated voting district. Uh-huh. Alabama would have to do it, no matter what the court says. Alabama would have to do it and at that point in time. Then it's illegal. Because you're not yeah. supposed to create a segregated voting district. Right. No. Blacks and is not a separate so, But it comes down to the definition of acting under color of law. It doesn't mean they're going to be effective. It doesn't mean that Alabama goes, al- goes along with it. But they're actually acting under color of law. So in other words, if a police person, if a police officer orders you to do something that's blatantly illegal, they're still acting under color of law. And you may be forced to do it to comply to avoid being arrested or shot. It doesn't mean that they had the power to do it but they can still enforce it. And I think we're in this kind of gray area where people go along with the Supreme Court when they shouldn't. And I know the difference, um, but a lot of people Indiana, don't. I mean, uh-huh. Indiana has a law that if a police is acting outside of the law, you got a right to use deadly force to the police. And how many people in Indiana know that? And how many times has it been used? Well, ignorance of the law is no excuse. No, I'm not saying an excuse. I'm just saying how many times has it been used and do, how many people I actually know, know about that? How many times it's been used? Maybe the yeah. fact that it can be used that perpetrators don't act out of line. But yeah. to say that how many people don't know it, that's not no excuse. They should know the law. They should. But one of the problems is there's so many laws that nobody knows them all. And that's, that's well, how no, the communists but you, work. But you, 
Uh-huh. You got access to all the laws at your uh-huh. disposal. So that's why I come uh, when you're on a traffic stop, when uh-huh. they say they want to search your car, you're supposed to tell them that you don't approve of them searching your car. That way, uh-huh. anything that they claim to find will not be permissible. Now, if they want to go ahead and search it by using force, then, you know, you just step aside. Yeah. And then you say, okay, anything you find doesn't count because I told you you couldn't do it and you don't have a warrant. Now, if they say, well, we'll get a warrant then. I said, go ahead, get a warrant. I'll wait. That's, <laughs> you know, that's the only and, thing and if they get a warrant, then so, they can search. Yeah. Yeah. That's due process. Yeah. So All right. Well, let me get to, um, go ahead. Give an opinion <laughs> and say that between arguments, you got arguing parties, you got the, uh, those that drew up the district and you got those that, uh, Mm-hmm. that didn't like it, then that's what they hear. But Alabama is not supposed to break the law. You're not supposed to go down the center of the street and swing over at houses and include black households in a district based on that line where it looks yeah, like no, I, I agree. But but here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be you for a minute and, and say that we all know what the reality is. Alabama is going to go along with this. They're going to create two black districts. They're going to violate the law. They're going to allow the Supreme Court to violate the law as well, you know, because the Supreme Court said and they figure once the Supreme Court says they have to do it, which is a bunch of nonsense. So there's ignorance Somebody of the law, too. Sue. They yeah. should sue Alabama for doing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Alabama We're, is creating a segregated uh, and it's de jure segregation, not de facto. Is when blacks moved into that white area, they mm-hmm. did it voluntarily because they wanted to. They weren't forced mm-hmm. there. But now you're forcing blacks to be a part of basically where they moved from. And that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it'd be interesting. That it'd be, let's see what happens to the black districts after a while, too. Uh, you know, are they going to get uh, the, the black leaders going to move in? The black Democrat leaders going to move in? The bad schools, the bad housing, the bad businesses, the crime, the the DAs. I mean, the whole bit. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if you have a black district. Is it going to get you know radical black Democrat leadership like Chicago, New York, and some of the other places that are falling apart? These black districts might not want to be black districts, which is kind of an interesting thought. Anyway, let me um, let me tell you something that happened Friday. And so Friday is very interesting. It, it relates to what we're talking about here, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Friday, we had an incredible show. And we had uh, Tony Lyons, who was the uh, CEO and publisher of Skyhorse Publishing. And one of Tony's friends uh, is Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's a regular on the show. Judy, world's best uh, molecular biologist, biochemist. I mean, she teaches PhDs. She teaches Dr. McCullough stuff. <laughs> that, that's how advanced Judy is, right? But uh, we're friends. And we got to be friends on the show over the last year and a half, two years that she's been on. Anyway, so Tony's on, uh, Judy's on, and we got to talking, and we were talking about uh, Plandemic and all the other stuff, and then we got to talking about some of the books that, uh, that Tony's published, because he hates censorship. So I told him about our vaccine bill, I told him about our, uh, our um, big tech censorship ending bill, and we talked about Woody Allen's book, and that was interesting. Love to get Woody Allen on the show. Uh, and then we talked about Alan Dershowitz. Now, I told Tony uh, about Dershowitz's book, you know, Get Trump. I said, one of my dreams has always been to challenge Alan Dershowitz on exactly the things that you and I are talking about right now, on the constitutionality of the court, of the fact that uh, they can't make up laws. They cannot grant themselves power. They can issue opinions, and that's it. Most of what they do is, is unenforceable, except to the parties within the case, that there is no judicial view. It's unconstitutional. It's, it wasn't a delegated power, that Marbury versus Madison was wrong. 
he was listening to this stuff. He goes, you know what? I think I can help you. I'm like, really? <laughs> says, yeah, that'd be a cool debate. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one of the projects we'll be working on is getting Ellen Dershowitz on the show. You know, so we're going to have the, the you know, Penglis v. Dershowitz. You know, we're going to have a, have a debate on the show over the Constitution talking about exactly these kind of things. I'll let you get a question in, but I guarantee you I'm going to take like the first 45 minutes for me <laughs> because this is, this is a lifetime opportunity or a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity maybe. Then, then again, maybe he might have so much fun he comes back on. But that's the big news is that there's a, there's a, there's a pretty good possibility that we're going to get Ellen Dershowitz on the show uh, debating the Constitution and judicial review. How's that sound? Oh, I you know another thing in that too. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! We, we actually, well, I just told you. Come on, what do you think of Dershowitz being on the show? Come on, let's start it there. What's that? What's what? I, I just said Dershowitz. Writing. Oh, you must have been. I didn't get all the details. Well, we don't have the details yet. But, I'm just hoping, but I want to get I want to get Dershowitz on the show to debate the Constitution. Okay, your point then. Your next point. Suppose the blacks identify as whites. Oh, a great unknown, imponderable. I have no idea. Let me tell you what else happened Friday. <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm sort of, I I stick on topic. We've got about half an hour left before Jonathan gets here. I've got the entire Trump agenda to go over. So Friday, yeah. part of Friday was the show, which we talked about. The other part was Matt Gates' rally that evening. And so I went to, uh, got there early, tried to catch him early. He showed up, you know, fashionably late. Uh, made his presentation, and then he asked for comments. Well, I brought with me four copies of our constitutional amendment to uh, ban Congress from borrowing money, just to end their power to borrow money. And so he says, any questions? Of course, I immediately raised my hand. And he says, yes, Greg, because <laughs> he knows me, right? And so I start walking up to the podium. He says, I thought this was a question. I said, well, now that I'm here, <laughs> I got a bill for you. He said, oh, okay. I said, can I read it? It's only four sentences. He said, yeah, go ahead. So I read the bill. And talked about briefly that it ends the central bank, it ends the Fed, it uh, stops the printing of money, ends inflation, uh, and this uh, would stop borrowing. And you wouldn't have to worry about the, the, the debt ceiling ever again. And then he takes it and he looks at me and he says, well, Greg, you know, you know has, uh, has no, uh, was it fear of realism or something like that? It's like, in other words, he says, uh, you know, Greg will never let, real, let realism get in the way of a good idea. And so, yeah, it's okay, I'll, all right, I could debate him. I'm not going to do that. So then I go sit down. So everybody's laughing, right? So I come up to him after the, after the show. I said, you know, uh, he's, he, I said, I know that bill's never going to pass Congress. I said, but I didn't write that for Congress. I said, I wrote that for you and Donald Trump and the American people. And I wrote that as a rallying point so you guys can campaign on it. And I'm not saying anything that I haven't told everybody here. But everybody knows why I'm writing a lot of this legislation. Everybody knows I want to get – I'm not going to say what Matt Gates said. That's, that's, that was confidential. But what I said is, is obviously public. And so this is why I don't mind telling all you guys. So I told him, I said, the whole purpose of citizen legislation is that it goes to the people and the media and we the consensus. And then it goes to government once it's already a, a pretty much foregone conclusion. And he looks at me. He's like, oh, and they said a bunch of other things, which was kind of cool. But it looks like he might be back on the show at some point here fairly soon. That's the other big news. One, I get to debate Alan Dershowitz. And two, um, if, if all goes well, uh, hopefully Matt Gates will be back on pretty soon. And we can actually do what we used to do back at WEBY, talk about issues, talk about legislation, talk about getting our bills to Congress and becoming the, uh, the, the conduit for, for citizen legislation directly to Congress that the show was always intended to be. So that's the other big news. Bianchi? 
Yep, he's distracted again. He also make a good uh, guess. Well, yeah, he made a fabulous guess before, you know, because he actually talked yeah. about something. And he doesn't mind being challenged. You know, he's not one of these guys that, that weasels an answer. You know, he'll give you, if he disagrees, and he'll tell you. So, well, I disagree with you. He told one of the, 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 uh, the folks that asked the question Friday night, he said, well, I've got to push back on you. I don't agree. So let me tell you why. And he's very honest. This is why he does make such a good guess, because people believe him. Because, you know, and he's not afraid to be wrong. He says, if he's wrong, he says, yeah, you know, I really screwed up that one. You know, or here's my new opinion on that, or I've changed my views. You know, and that's okay. Anyway, so the next thing is Saturday. And Saturday, Trump gave two speeches, one in Georgia and the other in North Carolina. And what he laid out, I don't think a lot of journalists, well, of course, most of them are kind of idiots and propagandists, they didn't really pick up on all the proposals that he made. He's basically laid out the 2024 campaign. So what I want to do in the next few minutes, uh, 732, let me just make a little note to myself here, 732 on Trump is just do those things. So let me change my, do a, I'm trying to do a musical theme or something whenever I, uh, whenever I, I change topics. So let's, uh, where's my broadcast stuff? I'll give you my, my neat little broadcast theme. And here we go. So meanwhile, back at the Trump campaign, um, do you remember when we had Jessica Rivera on? Do you remember her? She was on like a couple of Fridays ago. Pianki, yes, no, maybe? All right. No, um, I, don't, I don't remember her. Well, she's a friend of the show now. She's a friend of mine. And she was reporting for Right Side Broadcasting at the Georgia uh, thing. And I don't know who was, she was uh, working with. But this dude, the, 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 the senior male reporter of the team, uh, was a complete idiot. I mean, he was just received, he was reciting his cliches. He got his cliches wrong. Uh, he dominated the conversation. He wouldn't let her talk. And it was just awful. You know, so uh, I guess, you know, he's the boss and he figures Jessica is the, the new person. But she was brilliant. When she was on the show, oh, my God. Great insights, great political insights. And I really enjoyed talking to her. And so it's, it's nice to have a friend now in, in high places. You know. So we, we, we have a contact at Right Side Broadcasting now. So that's good. So maybe they'll carry some of our stuff. Who knows? But the point is that uh, I was watching the coverage, and uh, the speech was excuse me, amazing. Did you catch either of Trump's speeches at all? No, I didn't. All right. Well, let me Get give you this proposal. Oh, okay. Well, I, they're available on my Facebook pages. First proposal. So, so the last, like, 25 minutes of uh, both speeches is when he gets into the proposal. So then, uh, what, he, what he does in the first part, and it, it's kind of bad, actually. He gives the, the same old information, the same old stories about the, the Mexican tariffs and, uh, you know, the, the, the other things that he does and that kind of stuff. And we, we already heard those stories. We don't need those stories. Yet. We need new stories. Um, but what he did was laid out the campaign. Here's the first proposal. He wants to remove 15 million of Brandon's illegals. Not sure how. He didn't say how. He did talk about the Eisenhower policy of massive deportation. Now, I think that's essential, but I also think it's not going to be complete enough. It's going to be too expensive, and that'll work for the criminals. You've got to round up the criminals. But as far as most people, and I want to talk to both uh, Matt Gates and Donald Trump about this, use civil asset forfeiture through the ITIN number to get the nonviolent illegal aliens out. Basically, threaten them with seizing their property 
uh, and give them, I don't know, two weeks <laughs> to get the hell out of Dodge uh, or 30 days, whatever they want to do, or just seize it and then say you'll get your property back once you're gone. That might actually be a better thing because the left will generate a bu- enough uh, static to, to uh, cause that problem or pro- uh, a real problem. Anyway, so the first proposal removed 15 million illegals. Second one, stop the Ukraine war immediately after the election. Now, he didn't say immediately after inauguration. He said immediately after the election. And I'm not sure how he's going to do that. He says once he has the power of the presidency, you know, then he'll be able to, I guess, he'll probably hold a summit. But uh, somebody made a really interesting, I'm going to get your opinion on this. He made a really interesting observation last night that one of the reasons that uh, Brandon uh, and the permanent war class are uh, uh, so intent on keeping this war going as long as possible is that it's basically Russia fighting a Russian territory. Because, you, and this would be a good question for Jonathan, uh, that Ukraine was part of Russia for thousands of years or however long it's been around. So Ukraine... Hang on, Ukraine v. Russia. It's basically Russia v. Russia. Because it's like their own territory. It would be like Mexico and Canada. You know, well, I mean, that's not a good example. Um, I don't know if I have as good an example here. But anyway, it doesn't matter how many Ukrainians are killed because we're going to get rich off the war. It doesn't matter how many Russians are killed. We're going to get rich off the war. It doesn't matter if they kill each all off, kill all of each other off. You know, and leave Ukraine a wasteland. We'll still get rich off the war because it's Russians fighting Ukrainian Russians or Ukrainians. I mean, it's all it's it's, a, it's like a civil war. You just take Nigeria. Nigeria will be the largest population in the world here coming up sometime, according to that map and what I heard it was said at one Devils conference China? by Al Gore. But right now, they have killing going on in the northern area where reported 300,000 kids have been killed. That's what, not making the what news. possible purpose? Yeah, not, uh, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, I'm it's not reporting it because it's not in the news. I'm reporting it because it's not defined properly. So, so why are they killing so many kids in Nigeria? It's ethnic cleansing Which between ethnic? Uh, groups. That's what you got going on in Ukraine. You got two groups. Okay. Matter of fact, in one uh, area of Ukraine, you got Russian citizens. Yeah, those are the areas that Russia wants to, uh, you know, take back. Basically, Donbas and Crimea. Crimea they already took under Obama, but on the eastern part of Russia, uh, Ukraine, you've got Nazis. So you've got you've got German Nazis on one side and Russian communists on the other. It's like a replay of World War II, in a, on a much smaller scale. It's kind of interesting, and it's kind of stupid. Hey, you're right. And it's but kind of I deadly. It's good or bad. That's Russia. People well, it's not a war. Yeah. But he's not, but it's not my about war. This. Khrushchev was Ukrainian. I mean, he was the president, and he was over here beating his feet, not his feet, beating his oh, shoe on the desk. But yeah. we will destroy you or something like that. They're in the yeah, we'll bury missile you. crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Stalin we'll was Georgia. you. Yeah, Stalin was Georgian, and that's the territory of Russia, too, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, but the point of this is that the West doesn't care how many Ukrainians are killed. See, Donald Trump does. See, that's the difference. People that care about this care about how many Ukrainians are being killed and how many Russians are being killed because we want to stop the killing. If you guys negotiate, that's different. You get to a bargaining table, that's different. But the fact that you're, you're murdering hundreds of thousands of people for no reason See, the, the, but the military-industrial complex doesn't care how many people are killed because they're making money. And what they're thinking is that if Russia beats up Ukraine or Ukraine beats up Russia, it doesn't matter because they don't like either country. 
Ukraine's like the, the Democrat money laundering bank, and Russia's the, the big enemy, even though they used to be friends. But it's just it's, it's like when Kissinger said the only problem with the, the Iraq-Iran war is that there can only be one loser. He, he loved that they were killing each other because he took two of our enemies beating each other up. He didn't care. He didn't care how many people were killed. I did. But then I like war. But the point is that these, these people, these military, industrialist, banker, weapons makers, they don't care how many people are killed because they're making money. And it's not affecting Western Europe or Eastern Europe so much. It's affecting basically Russia and a, a former territory of Russia. So it's an internal Russian conflict. That's the problem. And so for Trump to come along and say he's going to end this before you know, he, he officially takes office just winning the election, I found that intriguing. Let me tell you some more, too. He says he will uh, prevent World War III. I believe that. Uh, he's going to stop the Marxist prosecutors. He wants a complete overhaul of the DOJ to investigate all the district attorneys. Not sure how you can do that because those are elected. But what he can do is look into how they were elected and whether there's fr- well, prominent. Well, World War III, who are the players going to be? Russia, China, and us, basically. Maybe North Korea. Well, that's, that's a trio. So who's going to – you face one direction, you shoot, mm-hmm. you face the other direction, you shoot. Well, I think what he'll do is what he did before, separate Russia from China, uh, work with North Korea as much as possible, uh, and defuse situations rather than instigate them. See, what, what's happening right now is we're instigating in Ukraine and Russia. We're instigating, we're, we're allowing, we're actually helping China to become more powerful. Well, Trump's not going to do that. He's actually going to take money back from them, stop their spying, stop the influence. Um, how about the, the DAs? Like, let me, I want to get a bunch of these to get through and, and less and less time to do it. But he's talking about the DAs. Now, I'm not sure what you can do about an elected DA unless the election was fraud. But what he really should do is investigate the whole Department of Justice. Well, obviously, Merrick Garland's going to go and Chris Ray, you know, is going to go. Be, who are you going to investigate them with? Well, it's got to be uh, the new Department of Justice. So in other words, you've got to get rid of the old one. You've got to get rid of the old guard at the top. You got to get the deep state, the communist, fascist, Marxists that are there now. Uh, it's like the State Department. He should do the same thing with the State Department. He hasn't mentioned that yet, but he wants to go to the DOJ. Let me give you another one here. Cancel every open borders policy. That's a no-brainer. Uh, he says countries are dumping their prisoners uh, in sane asylums and mental patients, which is true. Um, then he says this one was interesting. Use every federal, state, local, and military agency and resource for the largest domestic deportation operation in U.S. history. That's the Eisenhower model. So uh, we should uh, deputize too. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'll, but uh, what I would add to that for him when I when hopefully I can get a chance to talk to him is to add in asset forfeiture. So again, you uh, now he's got yeah. Oh, thank you. He's got two hundred eighty-seven. Uh huh. You know that's that too. A state, that? Florida can Florida can uh, Florida can seize assets of illegals. Yes, they can. Yeah. Why well, I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to talk to our sheriff. We've got Sheriff Johnson here in Santa Rosa County. Let's see if I can get him on this. He's been on the show before, so he you know he probably may not remember me because it's been a few years. It was back at WBY, but I want to talk to him about that. And how much does he uh, you know can, is he willing to do it on his own? Or does he think he needs like a separate piece of legislation or something like that to do it? That's what's going to be interesting. But that's when. The, but uh, I had a plan to dis- remember my plan to disarm the feds. I may hold off on that until the illegals illegals are gone and then disarm the feds. <laughs> you know, because we have two hundred eighty-seven thousand. We got fourteen divisions of federal bureaucrat infantry that we could disperse across the country uh, and just put them all under um, 
under uh, what's it? Uh, Border Patrol. What's what's the what's the overall agency? Homeland Protection. She so put them all under Homeland Protection, the entire bureaucrat infantry, and uh, make them uh, all have them all join ICE. You know, in for, uh, uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement. That'd be interesting. Next one, ask every federal, state, and local agency to identify gang members, uh, and if illegal, they'll be deported. So he's going to deport the gang, the, the nasty folks, but he really needs to use asset forfeiture. That's, that's not in the, the dialogue yet. Then he says, now this one's a really interesting one, day one, executive order, ending automatic birth fraud citizenship, as I call it, for children born here to illegal aliens. This is going to be really controversial because, of course, the, the, the corporations uh, and the Republicans and the, uh, the power-hungry uh, Democrats want illegals here, and they want them voting. They want a pathway to citizenship. And one of the, 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 the best ones, even though it's illegal, is that uh, people, people still think that those that are born on U.S. dirt are citizens. And then we've proved that over and over again. That's not true. So he's going to get an executive order saying that that's, that's going to stop. Now, what he really should do, and this is going to be the tough part, is he should go back to all of Brandon's illegals and go back as, as far as he can. And we may, we may have to start talking about a, a permanent resident status or a non-voting status for all the illegals through the whole migration chain until they have applied to become citizens. And those that are desirable, you know, would be in the regular immigration chain, and those that aren't will never get the chance to vote. Although you may not want to, if someone's like three generations down, it's going to be a little hard to kick them back to the home country uh, because they haven't been there for three generations. So that's a different thing. But we still can't have them vote because that way you're rewarding crime. So however far back they go, they've got to go back at least one, maybe two generations and say, okay, you guys, the anchor baby that came in, that was not a citizen. And so all you folks that came in here with that non-citizen anchor baby, you're not, you can't stay here either. So that's, a, that's going to be an interesting debate, but I'm in favor of that. What do you think on that one, Pianchi? And then I'll give you a couple more policies. You remember the TV program, The Fugitive? Of course. David Jansen. He was a fugitive for a long time. So the longer he stayed at large, did not reduce the penalty that he was facing. Mm-hmm. So, no, if they're illegal, they're illegal. If they was in yeah. the country illegal and have kids that's illegal, the kids are illegal. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot pass on citizenship illegally. Besides, citizenship so doesn't Trump's come from talking being... about executive mm-hmm. order. It has to be more than that because when he got off, they just do away with his order and start it all over again. It's got to be no, more should, than should, executive order. Well, it's got to be a better already, definition yeah. of what the 14th Amendment says. Well, I've already done that. I've already written a law on that. In fact, that's one of the ones I'll be passing on to Matt Gates as we get to working more together, is that I've actually, I've actually redefined the 14th Amendment based on the debates of the actual 14th Amendment, of what it means. So remember we had that debate, we, were the, we read the debate, which says that uh, you know, this does not apply to foreign nationals, ambassadors, uh, they didn't use the term illegal aliens, but people you know, not in the country illegally, they, they said very clearly. Remember when Sarge read those two things, you know, the, the two debate uh, speeches from the 14th Amendment? It's very clear. 14th Amendment says very clearly that if you're, if you're subject to another nation by virtue of your citizenship in that other nation, you're not subject to our jurisdiction. So we don't have to make your kids citizens. That's what it says. Well, you know who could do that also? Who? The states. Yes, they could. Well, here's what else could do. You know who states. could do it? Per, you know who really should do it? The hospitals. The hospitals where the kids are born should not be giving birth certificates that say U.S. citizen 
to people that are here with foreign national parents. So and, all the, and the states can make the house bills. States can make the house bills stop it. They should, but they don't because they don't think they can. See, so that's, that's where, part of the problem. That's where it's, yeah. that's yeah. Where it's yeah. just started. It should start with the states because uh-huh. that's what the 14th Amendment said. You stay, you're a citizen of the United States. You stay citizen of the state. Whether they are breaking the law or they uh, breaking the law as it's written to become mm-hmm. the citizen of the United States are permitted to be a citizen of the United States, this state should say, no, 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 you're, it's wrong. Yeah. You're not a citizen yep. of this state. And all the folks that came here on those those birth tourism flights came here, stayed a couple of weeks, had a kid, then went home, and then brought in with their new American citizen, then brought in three generations of people. Those folks need to go because they're you know that's yeah. that's fraud. They became you cannot, they came here on a false pretense. Exactly. So all those folks, I don't have any sympathy for them at all. So those need to be corrected. Now here's the weird part about this: there is no law that says this has to happen. There's no law. Authorize it. In other words, all these constitutional amendments have a section that says Congress shall pass appropriate legislation to enforce this amendment. Well, they never did. And neither did anybody else. There is no law in the books that says illegal aliens or foreign nationals born on U.S. soil uh, get citizenship. It's just this, this mythical policy, but it's not written down anywhere. And the Constitution says just the opposite. So this is why it's, it's legally it's easy to correct this. But practically, it's well, you know, a Jerry, huge opposition. Uh-huh. I told you before, you have a good way of defining things. Oh, thank you. But the only thing is, the right people ain't listening. I'm working on I that. to give you that. You got a good way of defining things. You have to come up. You come up with damn good ways of explanation. <laughs> but the right <laughs> people not listening to it. Yeah, well, that's that's part of well, that's part of people sharing the show and part of people sharing the bills. Now, if we get Matt Gates on the show and he introduces me to Steve Bannon, Mike Lindell, Donald Trump, and some other folks, then I will be talking to the right people who can make a difference. Well, I wish we, I wish that uh, we, you could get Matt Gates on on the show. Okay, give it, give, give, it, give it a few weeks. Yeah, listen, uh, I, I I can't tell you how, but I think it's going to happen. And so I like to get Josh Harley, Harley on the show, too. Once you talk to him. Is, is, is he's your senator, right? Yeah, he's a senator of Missouri. I'm going to try to get a message to him. contact him? Bring him on as your guest. Yeah. Tell him what we do here. Tell, tell him about the bills. Tell him everything. I'd love to get Josh Harley on the show. I'll tell you what, when the show gets big enough, he'll be calling us. All these folks that we're talking about, when we get huge, they're going to call us. Because this will be the hottest show, I think, in the world, but at least in the country. Because nobody does what we do. No one talks about what we talk about. You know, Steve Bannon's still whimpering about uh, the national debt. Oh, what are we going to do? My bill, my constitutional amendment's over a year old. And so they had the solution for a year. My bill on uh, vaccine probability is over two years old. That bill preceded every vaccine mandate. If that bill had gone viral... There might not have been vaccine mandates because we beat them. We beat them to it. Let me give a couple more things here. In the, uh, I appreciate thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, you know, I mean, I try and explain things. You know where I learned how to do that? Flight instruction. As a flight instructor, I was forced to make very logical, straightforward um, presentations of complex topics. That's probably my best, some of my best training for this job here. It's kind of weird, but I think that has a big part of it. All right. Trump wants to cut taxes, energy prices, interest, interest rates. He wants to cut interest rates. Now, how is he going to cut interest rates unless he does something to the Fed? That's going to be interesting. 
Here's another good one. The Trump Reciprocal Trade Act. So whatever tariff another country puts on our goods, he's going to put on their goods. That that should be a no-brainer. Yeah, go ahead. That's what you call fair trade. Yes. Fair trade is between this nation and other nations. Mm-hmm. Where you have a reciprocal execution of tariff. Mm-hmm. Free trade is between the states. You can you can trade freely with another state without the burdensome of a tariff being put on right. the state in which you're trying to sell your goods. Well, you can also do that between countries. You can do that between countries. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's free trade. You can't have free trade between countries because. China artificially values this currency. <clears throat> so how would you know that the value of what uh, they're giving you is the right value? No, you don't know. Yeah, that's China. That's different. But if you have uh, – now, currency we know floats up and down. So if we're dealing in euros or shekels or drachmas or kroners or francs or uh, Australian dollars or Canadian dollars or Argentinian dollars or however they do it, uh, currency float. So that's That's part of the, uh, of the, of the deal. The difference though is tariffs. So in other words, the currency is going to do what the currency does. That's, that's kind of separate. But as long as there's no tariff on goods, like Canada has a 600% tariff on dairy products. So Wisconsin dairy farmers can't sell their cheese and milk to Canada because it's 600% more expensive than Canadian stuff. Why? Because they're protecting the Canadian market. So what we need to do is charge 600% on Canadian dairy products coming to the United States. And what this usually well, does... Well, you should charge that... That would apply to softwood lumber. But if a... You shouldn't have we'll an uh, imbalance where as one country sells your country 200 billion more of their products than what you are selling their country. It should be well, as near right. to equal as possible. Yeah. Well, see, that's the other thing. So you can't have a strain on trade. So uh, Trump talked about Mercedes and BMWs. So uh, he says, uh, Angela, how many Chevys do you have driving down Berlin? And then, of course, there's none, right? Because they block them. But he says, well, how many Mercedes and BMWs do we have here? Well, you know, tens of thousands. United so States, we're buying, except uh-huh. in Russian plate steel to the point where it's Granite City steel in Illinois, Granite City, mm-hmm. Illinois, had to shut down. It couldn't compete mm-hmm. with the prices. Yeah, and the, and the Russians were dumping. There was no artificial low price. Right. So, so there's three, there's three parts to, to, to fair trade. One, that the tariffs are equal or non-existent. Two, that the markets are equal access. In other words, you can sell as many of your stuff in their country as those people want, and they can sell as much in our country as, as we want. And the third component is exactly as you say, that the countries do not artificially set low prices to get a bigger market share. So that would be the three components of fair trade. Market share has to be no barriers, um, number of products, no barriers, and tariffs have to be equal or non-existent. That's what, that's what they're talking about. So next one, a couple more for you here. Anwar, the huge uh, Alaskan oil you know, deposit that's larger than Saudi Arabia's oil. Uh, he's going to open that up, and he should. I've actually been up to Anwar. Uh, I was up there any two of it passed when I took my daughter up to Alaska. We saw whatever's on the left side. I've forgotten it, but the Anwar was on the right. It's tundra. Do you know what's up there, Priyanki? It's nothing. It's open space. It's caribou. The trees don't even grow. It's so far north. So you've you got grassy scrubland, caribou, and wolves. That's it. <laughs> you know, Maybe that's why they should put these uh, immigrants. <laughs> 
Well, wouldn't that be there, interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go in live in Anwar. Yeah, go live. In, there's plenty of space in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a really good idea. No, I'm, I'm serious. This is a really good idea. Let's call it the Alaskan Illegal Alien um, Resettlement Program. We've got to think of a name for it. Alaska would be a great place for all the illegals. Actually, home would be a better Yeah, place. let them go up there and work and trim the grass. We don't need to trim the grass. See, the caribou eat the grass and trim the wolves the eat the caribou. Yeah. Now, the tundra mm-hmm. is a perfect ecosystem. I'll eat it, it up pick up the pick up the carbonated caribou poop. <laughs> now, what do you think fertilizes the grass? You need caribou poop. <laughs> you got to have caribou poop. Uh, so the caribou fertilize the grass and eat the grass. The wolves eat the caribou and the bighorn sheep. And the bighorn sheep, you know, patrol the, the, the mountains, you know, although it's pretty flat up there. Uh, that's the perfect ecosystem. And then the eagles go after the, the ptarmigans and the, you know, the fox go after some other things. And, yeah, I loved Alaska. But uh, trust me, in the tundra, there's nothing. We flew our, our, our little Piper Navajo. It's an eight-place uh, airplane down at about 150, 200 feet. And we're doing over 200 miles per over, over caribou herds. It was a blast. And of course, nobody up there, right? No one's going to complain. You know, the, 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 the 1,200, 800 restrictions, the, the 700, there aren't any. There's, nobody, there's no airspace, right? It's all uncontrolled. So we're whipping down over caribou. <laughs> it was great. Anyway. A lot of sightings at the polls. Well, we weren't at the polls. We were just in the middle of nowhere. All right. Trump wants to revoke China's most favored nation status. That's a no-brainer. Hold the CCP responsible for the China virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always will protect uh, Medicare and Social Security, although I still like to see an independent option. Uh, What else has he got here? Uh, Executive order to uh, cut federal spending for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, or any other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on the kids. That's a good executive order. That's going to be really popular. You know, states already doing that too. Well, good. Yeah, states, well, many I mean, states are doing it. Well, I think all the the, the, the liberal schools should be defunded. Let them, let them fund themselves. But as far as you know, race theory, yeah, I agree. That's the way they were until they started implementing uh, federal ideas in the form of program. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, on the all, the the federal government should have nothing to do. A state deciding that they want to drill a hole here, or drill a hole there. A straight, shall I say, a state authorizing mm-hmm. the drilling of a hole here, or drill a hole over there. We already talked about that. That's Remember Roger Lutz when he was on for two hours? Roger, and I couldn't believe it. That show's almost a year old now. Roger, maybe it's your more than a year old. Roger Roots was on. He's the lawyer who defended the Bundys against the federal government when the Bureau of Land Management wanted to basically uh, throw him in jail for objecting. Uh, to the fact that they want to charge them excessively for grazing on what should be state land. Uh, anyway, so Roger was on a couple hours, and we talked about how the states are, are fully uh, legally able to basically seize their land and kick the feds out, because the Constitution is really clear on that. And pull up Article uh, 1, Section 8, uh, the last little bit here. Uh, Article 1, Section 8. I've got a new Constitution that's bound, so it's, it's my other one I gave away. So it's not as uh, easy to find stuff. Ah, oh, here we go. So this is the last part. Well, second last paragraph to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district, not exceeding 10 miles square. That'd be the district of Columbia, uh, as made by session of particular states and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of the government of the United States. So anyway, D.C. can never become a state that would be unconstitutional. It's supposed to be separate because it would give one, any state too much advantage. So D.C. will never be a state. Uh, to, to, 
All right, where's the – oh, here we go. You see the territory. Yeah, it is. Then it says uh, – and it says, and to exercise – this is a power of Congress, right? And to exercise uh, like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. So the only thing that the federal government can purchase in the states and only by the consent of the state legislature – is land for forts, magazines, which is where you store ammo, arsenals, which is where you store guns, dockyards, which is, you know, on waterways, uh, and other needful buildings, which would be government buildings. That's it. That's the only thing that the federal Absolutely. government can own in the states. So, so only the land mm-hmm. under necessary buildings and military buildings and dockyard buildings is what the federal government can own outside of D.C. That's it. Well, what they should do is lease it to them. I wouldn't sell them anything. I lease that, it to now them. that's... Yeah, that's an option that I think is available because they don't, uh, they're not prohibited from making a lease by the Constitution. So and they, have, they would have, uh, uh-huh. they would have perpetual income off of it, and you also pull them out when you get ready. Yeah, here's another one too: national uh, concealed carry reciprocity. I would go stronger than that. I would, I would do what they did for the drinking age and what he wants to do for critical race theory. No money goes to any state that doesn't have constitutional carry. You know, make national, well, you know, that's the way you do it. Well, the is when one state don't recognize another state's licensed citizen where they right. travel through your state. You right. So, so part of the reason for having, uh, Jonathan's online, I'll, I'll get him in just a second. So part of the reason for having a concealed carry permit uh, in Florida beyond when we need it, which is July 1st, uh, is that if you want to go to another state, we have reciprocity with them. Well, let's bring Jonathan in now uh, in, our, in our heated uh, discussion, and uh, we can go over any of the policies uh, again. So, Jonathan, we're just going over the, the policies that uh, Trump mentioned uh, for his 2024 platform in those two speeches in North Carolina and, um, and, and uh, Georgia. But what's interesting is you came in at this particular moment when we're talking about concealed carry reciprocity. And what I'm saying is what they really should enforce is, is constitutional carry uh, and the actual Second Amendment, not just, not just reciprocity. Can you explain reciprocity? Yeah. And it exists in different contexts as well, not just guns. Um, can you hear me okay if I'm sitting in this part of the house? Yeah, we hear um, you. You just, you just got quiet for a second. You initially were stronger, and then you just got a little bit quieter, but that's okay. It's still good. Well, that's because I, I leaned back. Am I okay now? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just listen more carefully. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I, I'll okay. try not to move. Um, <laughs> you got to listen more carefully. Yeah, so you you're, need you're to, people need to listen more energetically. Um, they, they're, they're not listening properly. Um, okay. <clears throat> no, it's just teasing. <laughs> um, so, um, and I still have, um, I, I still have a uh, cough and everything, so I hope it doesn't get in the way. But anyway, so, Reciprocity, um, by by whatever name, um, you know, would would mean that if somebody has a um, <clears throat> a, a license to carry concealed carry in in one state, the other state would automatically recognize it. Now, this of course assumes that you're willing to accept that the state should have any role in licensing somebody's <clears throat> gun ownership. Or other things, like I say, reciprocity would be uh, relevant to other topics as well. 
but you know so if one state goes through the process of making sure that you're you're uh, okay in whatever sense that means the other state will accept it and you know like we've had and, and there are a lot of problems with that because, for example, we've had um, you know have situations where someone is driving through states from this, their their home state mm-hmm. to us you know to a destination, and both of which they would have the right to to carry the the weapon and or um, carry it concealed, uh, that sort of thing. You know, it, it's it is well. Everything about the law is insane because <laughs> I had a I had a client who was um, <clears throat> charged with brandishing, you know, an ancient BB gun. He heard a commotion. He went outside. He put the BB gun down. Uh, I think um, uh, barreled down so the trigger was you know very inaccessible. And showing the gun was it was considered you know a threatening offense. So if you conceal the gun, that's bad. If you show the gun, well, that's bad. So um, you know we've never never had a lot of logic when it comes to the government. Um, anyway, so the thing is, he's got problems where someone is stopped in the intermediate state uh, that they're driving through. Now, now what do you do? Um, so reciprocity, you know, would mean that because someone is licensed in one state, the other state will recognize it. Now, constitutional carry um, would mean under the Constitution that mm-hmm. none of the states have any right to limit your, to infringe upon your right to keep and bear arms at all. Mm-hmm. And, and they have nothing to say about it. Um, but because... Um, <clears throat> Because the courts, well, I mean, the courts have come pretty darn close to this. And, you know, I, I keep fantasizing that the Supreme Court at one point is going to say, look, if you come back in here again, we're going to start, you know, um, finding you in contempt of court. How many <laughs> times do we have to say this? Like, yeah. like no. You, you want to you regulate guns? No. Now, if we, if we hear, hear from you again, you're going to be sorry. Um, they would do that in other contexts. They're doing it over. They did it over January 6th to try to take people's bar license and everything like that. So why is it that they can keep going back again and again and again and say, you know, and so they get like the result they want? Wants yeah. A, well, yeah, like a child who wants a certain Christmas gift. Yeah. Say, but, but please, Daddy, like no. Um. So anyway, um. So constitutional carry means a state Mm -hmm. coming as close as possible within the state to the result that constitutional, the second amendment is your, your gun license. But because we don't have that on a recognized on a national basis, Mm -hmm. the only way to come close to that is for individual states to enact within their state, a constitutional carry provision but really, the concept is that no state should be infringing on the right to keep and bear arms. So well, no just, state should be – I mean, we should expand that. It's something I've never understood. Why can't I buy a gun in, when I was in California? Why couldn't I buy a gun in Florida? You know, California says you can't have these guns. Well, I don't care. I don't care what California says. 
you know, the idea that we, we segregate by, by state that you can only buy a gun in the state that you live in, that's crazy. That's not, that shouldn't be legal. Yeah, that's wrong. Well, no, I mean, I mean, they would say that you could go to Florida and buy the gun, but you can't mm-hmm. bring it back to California. Well, they can't say that either. Well, if it's a legal that's, product, that's wrong. you know, uh, the Second Amendment says that you can't touch the right of people to own and carry guns, which is any gun they want. You can't, you know, so none of this stuff is, is constitutional. Go ahead, Bianchi. On the reciprocity, like, for instance, Illinois requires 16 hours of gun safety and showing that you can handle your gun. Missouri require eight hours. So that's why I come Illinois say, well, we don't recognize Missouri because your training is less than ours. That's uh, a way to get by it. That could be. That could be. And, and, of course, the way it could be conceived, either the way the law might be written or the way that one might understand it or intentionally misunderstand it, um, is that is, is something like that a precondition to owning a gun, or is it now that you own a gun, you have to do this? You see what I mean? You could say, like, you can buy the gun, and you can own the gun. We're going to say, because you own a gun, you have to take gun safety. Um, and, of course, that, you know, I mean, anybody with, it, with well, I don't know how to put this, because even otherwise intelligent people think the world started five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> but the NRA, of course, existed right. to provide gun safety. I mean, in the Boy Scouts, when I was young, we had rifle training. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I found that I, you know, I, I had, uh, I couldn't, my, my eye, one of my eyes wouldn't work, so I couldn't aim very well. Well, that's but, interesting. Um, but, you know, we had, I could have gone up the, the ladder in terms of competitions and training mm-hmm. and all kinds of things like that. In the Boy Scouts. And so the NRA, you know, so why wouldn't you want gun safety training? For example, if, if anybody heard anything about the Oath Keepers, uh, they went to gun training. They went in September 2020 when everybody thought that Trump was going to win. Uh-huh. And the training they got was, as Kelly Meigs describes, how not to accidentally shoot yourself training. <laughs> and and so this that is safety evidence. Training. Yeah. What? That is safety training. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so the the point, you know, so the, but this is used as evidence that they were going to, you know, to take over the government with, um, you know, maybe fifteen, twenty people. By leaving their guns behind. Um, well, how would you take? This is always a fascinating question. How would you actually take over the government? What are, you, what are you going to do? Force huh? them to pass legislation? What are you going to do? You're going to sit in the, con- the congressional chambers and make them all pass bills that you want? I mean, how exactly would, the, would, would this ever happen? I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. They never mentioned this. How would someone actually take over the government? Any group. Any that's, group. No, anywhere in the world. A, how would they do it? A, what, what are I you going to do? Is, you, we live in the land of emotion, though, not, not, yeah. not any kind of fact or logic. Yeah. I mean, is it like the godfather? Um, are you going to put a horse's well, head in everybody's I mean, bed? Are you, you know, what are you going to do? If you'll tolerate a footnote, um, January 6th is the date mm-hmm. on which uh, the presiding officer, which can be but doesn't have to be, you know, the vice president is serves as the president of the center, Senate 
when he chooses to show up. <laughs> well, for a the presiding officer. Right. Um, I think it's the president of the Senate, excuse or, you know, president of the Senate. But when the vice president shows up, you know, the, the presiding officer stands down and the vice president, you know, picks up the gavel. So te- te- theoretically, the vice president does not have to come to the January 6th Electoral College. But the, the law says that the vice president, you know, the presiding officer, counts the Electoral College votes in the presence of mm-hmm. the members of Congress. The members of Congress do not count the votes. The members of Congress do not certify the votes. Mm-hmm. They can object to invalid votes, forcing a, a, um, a series of things. And then if somehow the counting process were to fail, there's all kinds of alternatives. As, as you know, the, the, um, <clears throat> if, the, if the Congress is unable to reach a conclusion, they, um, they can vote by states. They can, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of fallback provisions in the Constitution. So anyway, um, all these people are accused of trying to <clears throat> prevent, and this is the quote used by the government, prevent by force the transfer of presidential power. There isn't any presidential power transferred on January 6th. <laughs> the presidential power is transferred on January 20th yep. when the rotation of the planet Earth causes the clock to strike 12 or effectively, you know, the, the sun to be overhead <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, in at local time, Washington, D.C. So how are you yep. going to stop the earth from rotating on January 20th? Yeah. And one term you know, ends. I mean, it's in the Constitution. The term ends at noon of, right, of the, every, that president. Yeah. So you have federal agencies all over the world. Um, you have armies around the world. You have... Um, Embassies, you have government departments and offices spread all around guards. the country, and governors. You got all kinds and, of people, right? So, how would you know what what lever, what what central point, like you asked, yeah. would you use to say no? You can't let this person um, be president. There's no way to do it. <laughs> now, the thing is, is that um, you know e- even. Even monarchies are not this bad, but but theoretically, the, a new king in England has to be well. Of course, after the constitutional revolution, the king doesn't actually do anything. But but in theory, one doesn't become king until um, until they're coronated, hmm. and there may be other things. But that doesn't happen in our country. Yeah. So it is literally impossible. We have hundreds of we have over a thousand cases in which the lying, deceitful, corrupt prosecutors are telling juries that these guys um, tried to prevent by force the transfer of presidential power, which is literally impossible. Yeah. Now, well, that's I, what I've been arguing me, since uh, for three years now, or two years. Yeah, two well, years now. you're right. Yeah. I, but your audience needs to... So, so, so help me back here. Help me uh, find, <laughs> find the rope in the dark back to, out, out of the cave. We, we, oh, what we got we're into about? this... Yeah. yeah. Well, what we're we with talking about. Us. But what we need, though, is, is is a what we need, though, is a statute 
that you know how you, you mentioned this something it was, it was it was quite uh, fascinating last time that there's always a uh, an enabling clause which says that Congress shall have authority uh, to uh, pass appropriate legislation to enforce this act amendment things well, like that. There isn't. Yeah. Well, Second Amendment doesn't have that, but Congress should still they still have the authority to pass you know a constitutional uh, gun enforcement act where they say that you know no state shall have a license, so do this, this, you know, per the Second Amendment, the, the right to keep and bear arms, and per the 14th Amendment, which applies to the states and local governments, you know, no state or local government shall, you know, shall restrict, infringe upon, touch in any way, or do anything to uh, the right to keep and bear arms, or own and carry guns. Now, okay, we're not talking about well, use. We're not talking about use here. We're not talking about criminal, you know, legal versus illegal uses. We're only talking about owning and carrying, which is what the right. Second well, Amendment I think, says. I, I mean, my... That's the yeah, well, there's a lot there, as always. It is, first of all, um, as we see people who misuse guns, I mm-hmm. want to propose, and I don't know if you want to make this as a, an action radio proposed legislation mm-hmm. um, and shop it around to different people, that it should be illegal to kill people or to shoot people. <laughs> you without said that last week. I, re- I remember that. Yeah. 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 No, so, I, w- um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because it's, first of all, it's funny. Uh, but secondly, you don't have to because I think my argument. Well, that's the um, point. That's the point. Well, you can, sh- you can shop it around. I'm not going to, you know, I won't stop. In fact, you should write a Substack article on it. It'd be great. Uh, Substack's kind of cool. I just wrote one on what a right is. It's an article I wrote about well, 11 years ago uh, on so defining what rights irritate, are. I just irritate um, gun, gun control zealots by saying <laughs> that, you know, why don't you, make, why don't you make it illegal to shoot people? Because that works yeah. so well with drugs, right? Yeah, exactly. That's how we stop. There is actually a meme that I didn't do. There's a lot of memes floating around there that I made, but there's a lot uh-huh. that I didn't. And one of them, yeah. one of them has the old guy looking at his laptop, and he says, "You know, we should, we should make it legal to, sh- you know, to shoot people. That's, uh, that's how we stopped everyone from doing drugs." <laughs> um, Hey, listen, let me tell you something fascinating. This is it's a little uh, different. This is I mentioned this before to you. I don't know if you quite remember. We're, we're talking a little bit off the air um, yesterday, but um, I had Tony Lyons, the uh, the head of Skyhorse Publishing, who published Alan Dershowitz's book uh, Get Trump, and we got to talking, and I told him of my dream to debate Alan Dershowitz on just what we're talking about: judicial review, the Constitution, Marbury versus Madison, the whole thing. And mm-hmm. he says, "You know what?" He says, "I think I can help you with that." We might get Dershowitz That'd on the show great. here in the next little while. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Well, you know, more and more people uh-huh. are waking up and saying, you know what, I can't stay silent. Because yeah. you know, I think my theory is, and I've never done any sociological research on it, but just having lived it, I think that everybody came back from World War II and, and they were just amazed to be alive and had survivor's mm-hmm. guilt and they decided yeah. to pamper their children and raise them to pamper their children. And we got the six, um, <clears throat> you know, we got, we got the so, summer of love. Yeah. Huh? We got the summer of love in the first generation. The second generation, we got, you know, video games. And the third one, we got social media and wherever we are now. Yeah. Right. And so, so the thing is, is that I think we, you know, and a lot of people, and, and cause I remember my mother, as I said, being part of Eagle forum with Phyllis Schlafly. Right. I was not overly political, but I was aware of what she was doing, just as, you know, bystander admiring it and um, some of the things they did. And she took me to a couple of conferences, you know. And, and so the thing is, 
I know back in the 70s, there were conservatives trying to address these things, and everybody was like, nah, it'll never happen. You know, you're just being, you're just being um, excessive. Mm. You know, you, wor- you worry too much. And then now we are, and everybody's going, well, how did this happen? Like, yeah, we told oh, you. Because you didn't worry you didn't in the listen. 70s. That's why. Because <laughs> you weren't paying attention. Exactly. When it was all happening. So, yeah. I think yeah. that, so I think that people like Dershowitz, who you would, you would imagine in your mind, no, he's too academic. He's too uh, big. He's too established. He, he wouldn't do that. But a lot of people are getting to the point where they're saying, you know what? I need, you know, we need, you know, I can't just be this, you know, erudite elite person. It's time to roll up your, our sleeves and, and get serious here. Um, so I think that things are, I think while one group is going the wrong way, I think a lot of people are waking up and going, hey, wait a minute, this is not yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and I think people are starting to to, to take action and, 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 and do things that you would not expect them to normally do. Well, I'll say if anyway, it goes so well. Anyway, raised a bunch of – I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, if it, if it goes well, that actually might be newsworthy, that uh, people might actually report Good on way. our debate with Dershowitz just because of the things we'll talk about that nobody in law school is going to talk about because y'all are conditioned to believe that Marbury versus Madison is subtle law. And I think it's anything but. Right. Well, yeah. the thing is, is, if I go back to some of the many things you raised there, mm-hmm. um, they actually will um, transition into um, what I want to talk about, you know, for my main report. Um, okay. And this, the thing, the Tennessee law we brought over from last week and the, uh, con- the congressional district uh, redistricting case. Yep. And like I say, when, when one has studied hundreds of these cases, just in law school alone, much less in, uh, as an observer and in <clears throat> pra- practice as a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you see that what we're told the issue is, is not really what the issue is. Hmm. It, it's the sense. whole attitude underlying, it's, it's the assumptions, it's the, you know, the, the rotten tree that, mm-hmm. that's going on here in all of these cases. So, for example, you said that, um, I, what I said was that many of the amendments have a, have a section that says Congress shall, Congress may, um, implement this this uh, amendment by appropriate legislation mm-hmm. and of course that does raise the question does that mean that does that mean that they must um, that they can do something that is purely procedural or can they do something that might at the margins nibble away at the substance or alter the substance and, and that's an unresolved um, but as you as you reference, the Second Amendment doesn't have that. So the question is, how would you enforce it? And I was thinking about this as I was trying to wake up. I, I did get my coffee. I I needed it bad, um, and so I you know I poured the coffee hot coffee on my head. You, and, uh, you might need another up. cup before we're done too. We got we got I, two I hours think, if you want to I stick think, around. <laughs> yeah, I think we so. Well, I had to. That was the thing. So as I was making, I was starting another pot of coffee. Um, I was thinking about this. It's like, uh-huh. which is interesting that you brought up a, a similar reason for it. Who enforces mm-hmm. the Constitution? Mm-hmm. 
And the answer is nobody. And, you know, it's like, it, and the way, if you read these cases, it's like the following. It's like a, a police officer pulls someone over for drunk driving. And, um, you know, I had, <clears throat> I had a number of those cases. Dead giveaway, somebody, um, <laughs> somebody enters the highway right. through the exit ramp, you know, the wrong way. Kind of a, kind of a tip off for the police officer when you're driving, you know, the wrong way on the highway. Um, right. And so they pull them over and they take the take a breathalyzer and say, you know, um, sir, you're you're drunk. I have to take you. Oh, I'm not drunk. No way. Call my mother. And so <laughs> no, they call the mother and says, oh, he would never do anything like that. <laughs> and, and and imagine if the police officer was required to take her word for it. Yeah. So what happens is the Congress blatantly violates the Constitution. And the Supreme Court says, well, we're just we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, let, let's just, you know, we're, let's let's, you know, let's slow down here. Let's not be uh, let's not be too, um, um, what, you know, extreme here. Let, you know, let's uh, we'll, we'll give them this one. And I'm, and I'm you know, you think I'm joking or exaggerating. I mean, I'm, I'm literally, you know, literally not the, 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 the courts will defer. Uh-huh. To Congress, as Congress is shredding the Constitution, they're saying, "Well, oh, you know, we wouldn't want to, you know." If, well, everybody defers version. to whichever agency is, is shredding the Constitution. The Congress and the, and the and the executive wimp out to the Supreme Court when they're shredding it. You know, the other two wimp out when the president's shredding it, uh, even when he's not the president. And and when Congress is shredding it, the others let them do it. So the separation of powers is that the the, the agency that's shredding the Constitution is separate from everybody who would enforce uh, the law against them. Is what it's saying. Yeah, and part of, part of it is, you know, we'll look the other way if you look the other way on us. Hmm. Um, well, you know, that's so, reciprocity. <laughs> that's government that's reciprocity. reciprocity. <laughs> so, um, you know, and the courts actually talk about deference. There's a doctrine called the presumption of regularity, which has different applications what? in different topics. But the, the presumption of regularity is that, you know, includes the idea that, you know, Congress is Congress is being blatantly unconstitutional, mm-hmm. um, but we're just going to, you know, we, we wouldn't want to think bad of them. So we're just going to assume that they're doing the right thing. Unless, <laughs> of course, it advances the leftist agenda like um, <clears throat> we just saw with the Tennessee case mm-hmm. or the drag queen case from, from last week, mm-hmm. which we're going to get to. So the, this discussion about, you know, we're is sort of dramatic foreshadowing for where we want to go later. And then I want to do a, a few quick things. But, but so when the Second Amendment says that, you know, it shall not be infringed, and the question is, and I have people calling me all the time, I want to file a lawsuit. Like, well, I'm sorry, but you can't. Like, what do you mean you can't? You know, because they're corrupt. They're not going to, they're not going to let, you, let you do this. Yeah. And so um, the question is, who enforces the Second Amendment requirement that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed? And the answer is nobody. You know, unless the Supreme Court decides to step in, and they have been, that's why it's been shocking that they have actually, have actually done that, and which is why the left is so mad at them. And, uh, you know, that and on other topics, they've actually 
you know, they've actually done their job a little bit. And so the Supreme Court wants to impeach them all. I mean, the Congress, the Democrats want to impeach them all because the Supreme Court actually occasionally is doing its job a little bit. So that's... But why do states have to pay any attention to the Supreme Court anyway? I mean, other than what they want to. Well, that's a good question. I mean, again, part, part of, you know, a big part of it is because we believe. You know, they, they've raised us, you know, to, to, to believe this stuff, schoolhouse rock and everything. <laughs> so, and, and this, this kind of gets into where on the two cases I hope we get to. Um, like we got an hour and a half. I hope we do. <laughs> we got an hour and a half, Jonathan. You can take all the time you want. We'll, we on can the get Tennessee. Yeah. The Tennessee drag show case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I drag show that one. case. Yeah, let's talk about that one. Well, I mean, that's big. I want to do a couple other quick things first. But the point I am going to okay. say this is that, is that, as I mentioned last week and started to get into the case, is that the law the Tennessee, the Tennessee legislature wrote was very, very badly written. Hmm. And then, so then the, the, the court strikes it down. Everybody reads the headline. Nobody reads the, law, the actual court opinion. And then they, they decide, oh, you can't regulate drag queens. No, that's not what it said. It, it said. it said you can't regulate drag queens when you do a really, really bad job of it. It doesn't, it doesn't say, so you have these states, they hear, oh, you can't, uh, you can't do that. Okay, well, why exactly? Well, because you wrote it so horribly. Oh, okay, well, then let's just write it better. But the, but the legislatures don't do that. They, 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 give, they say, oh, I'm just not allowed to regulate drag queens at all. No, you're just not allowed to regulate drag queens the way you tried to do it. Um, so everybody, everybody reads the dishonest headline, and they take the wrong lesson. And therefore, they give up. They don't, they don't try to, to, uh, to do what needs to be done. And... Um, so anyway, that's part of it. But I thought I'd get a few quick things out of the way, which um, I realize we never we don't do that very well. But <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd, well, I'd it's like, like you to, save the. This is what I tell people: do the most important case first, uh, especially if we only have an hour. We got more time today, but uh, yeah, the minute you think I'll just get these couple things out of the way first, you get five minutes left for your main case. I mean, that's just how things work. Because we always ask questions. Yeah, because nothing's yeah, ever that simple. Yeah. Well, but the big things aren't simple mm-hmm. at all. So for, first of all, of course, we'd like to invite, I'd like to invite the FBI to uh, go check out my Facebook page. And uh, <laughs> uh, That's my line. But I say FBI yeah. KGB. You, you forgot the, the other half of their initials. Well, the FS, I mean, the successor to the KGB. Well, I mean, you mean the American KGB. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. Um, the American, American Stasi. Um, yeah, so, Gestapo Garland. Uh, that just came. To, I like that one, Gestapo Garland. That's got a nice ring to it. Yep. And, and so, mm-hmm. so the thing is, I, I did. I know we're not going to have Dorothy apparently. Nope. And to talk about about sex, I'm probably the the last person you want to talk. You're not going to talk about sex on my show. 
but I. That's funny. We got three I, guys. We're not going to talk but, about sex on the show. No, we're going to. We, no, we, we but I am going to try. I am going to go ahead and do it <laughs> today. Oh, okay. Uh, because oh, this is the exception. According, according wow. to Greta Thunberg. Oh. Um, we uh, the world will end in nine days. Nine. Um, that was nine years. Twenty. She moved uh-huh. up the calendar. I thought it was nine years. She moved up the calendar. Well, but well, when when did they say what? So oh. on June on June twenty first, two thousand eighteen, uh-huh. <coughs> Greta Thunberg tweeted, "A top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop <laughs> using fossil fuels over the next five years." <laughs> now so that funny. was twenty first June twenty eighteen. And, of course, you know, from from my lawyer stuff, you know, typically that means that the deadline is the 22nd. You start, you know, if you stay it on the 21st, then that that day doesn't count. It's the next day. So so maybe nine, ten days, uh, the world will end. And so I'm going to give I'm going to give some relationship advice that, you know, you go ahead and and, um, appreciate your your woman or appreciate your man. Uh, while you can, because we've only got like nine, ten days left, and uh, you, you may as well make the most of it. Yeah. Um, now, of course, these leftists Be don't fruitful. know what it is. Yeah, they don't know what an experiment is, but oh. you know, and they've never done any experiments. They think they have, but huh. they haven't. But mm. when you know what happens on the twenty second or twenty third when this doesn't happen, which is one of the reasons why I want to make sure everybody knows about this. So what happens when Greta Thunberg's – I mean, you raised the one – I mean, there's so many predictions. Like, which one? You know, what, one of the predictions was in 1989 that we only had 10 years. Ironically, until 2000, the same time as year 2000. Um, you know, and I, I – there's a lot of, of commonality between the year 2000 hysteria, although they did take action because of it and, and improve things. But um, – so, so anyway, there's been multiple deadlines, obviously, that have come and gone, and, and more. Well, they keep doing that. Uh, that's the funny part about it. In fact, uh, Marco is in the Netherlands. He's listening to us. He just typed in about Leonard Nimoy's video of of the global winter. And if you remember his '70s video, did you ever see that? I did not know about that. Oh, it's hysterical. Oh, no, no. You've got to just look up YouTube. Just look up Leonard Nimoy. And it, it starts off and it says this could happen here. And he, they show this, this, this whiteout and this massive blizzard. You know, the world's going to die. We're all going to have massive famine by the year, you know, 1986 or something like that, whatever it was. But they keep doing this. They keep doing prediction after <clears> prediction <throat> after prediction. And none of them come true because people forget the previous prediction. It's like bonds in California. People keep voting for more bonds in California because they forget that they <laughs> voted for bonds in the pre-selection. People have no memory. So they keep throwing this stuff out there and it gets worse and worse and worse and it's hysterical they pass every deadline it's like josie when she talks about you know trump's going to come riding in the military's going to take over she stopped giving deadlines because every one of her deadlines passed and nothing happened that's why she doesn't do it anymore sorry josie (laughs) but it's true no but right but the thing and the thing is this is why i was thinking that you know people Uh will say well greta she has a touch of of of, um what autism or something like that i don't know Um, a touch of insanity Arrogance. I mean, I, I mean, parents, megalomania, megalomania, maybe. Yes, abs- not no, absolutely. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. it's child abuse to some extent, uh-huh. um, except that I guess if I were a parent, I say, look, this this person is never going to make anything. Oh, they're making money off. Why don't you give them? 
parents are making yeah. a fortune. Are you kidding? All the books and royalties and speeches. How old is she now anyway? 17, 18, 19? Um, How old is she? She was like 16 when she started. I think, yeah, well, I don't know. I guess that's um, just a, a How dare you? Let me, let me do a best Greta Thunberg. Oh, yeah, How yeah. dare but, you? Um, but, but I mean, but I was going to say that I think she's really the perfect image of this generation. She mm-hmm. just says what anybody else says. Mm-hmm. She only knows what she sees on social media. She doesn't mm-hmm. think. No. Um, she's purely emotional and not logical. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that the world started five minutes ago. And she doesn't care about the and consequences that, of what she says either. Well, that's true. And, and the thing is, is that nobody, you know, the thing is that, that they, they don't realize that, you know, they, they think that nobody notices the mm-hmm. fact, you know, what they said in the past. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I think she said it before. Well, no, we need her on the show. I was just thinking, you know, Brianna Cannon's like 16. Uh, I think she'll be 17 one of these months. <laughs> She's been 16 uh, for a while now. But Brianna Cannon, our, our government inquiry reporter who's on Tuesday mornings, first thing, we should set up a debate between uh, Brianna Cannon and Greta Thunberg. That would be hysterical. You could challenge it, yeah. That'd be great. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, so anyway, I'll put it to Brianna. <laughs> See what she thinks of the idea. Well, I mean, Greta's never going to – I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, I, you know, if I, if I were her parents, I feel like, on the one hand, they're engaged in child abuse. On the other hand, right. it's like, well, what else is she going to do to make money if she's got if she is just, you know, partly disabled with autism? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. So well, anyway, um, so back to Tennessee so anyway, and the drag queen. Stop it. Yeah. No, let's no. Oh, no. Let me do. Uh, you got another and, one. And, and again, you'll see you you'll hear some themes mm-hmm. throughout everything I'm saying that lead into the drag queens and the. Oh. And the other thing. You're um, organized this morning. It's well, that second cup of coffee. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm high on life. I'm not, uh, I don't uh, do anything else. But anyway, so um, I see things in a, you know, metaphysical way this morning. But anyway, so the thing is, wow. let's talk about, before we talk about why Trump's lawyers are awful and Republican okay. lawyers are awful, that, that's kind of a theme I, I thought around I here. To talk. <laughs> that's like huh? one of your big themes. That's like one of your big themes, you know, on Mondays is that uh, Republican lawyers suck and Trump's lawyers suck, and basically lawyers, for the most well, part, well, they, that, uh, for the well, good guys, do. suck. I mean, it's just. Okay. I mean, it's just. It's just. And it's, I mean, I watch them. And I, I want to tear my hair out. Yeah. I mean, you know, most most third year, you know, most recent law graduates I know could do a better job than than Republican lawyers and Trump lawyers. I mean, they're basically, these lawyers are basically the Paul Ryans and John Kasich of the legal world. Oh, no. They're like transgender lawyers or transgender criminals. Yes. What should we call them? (laughs) It's like I call the rhinos transgender Democrats. So we we need a name for these kind of lawyers. What's that? They're gelding. Oh, the gelding? The gelding old party? Yeah. Yeah. They're eunuchs. Yep. The GOP, um, the, the gelding old party. <laughs> yeah, you need to, we need to, I need to win the lottery, and then we need to right. send Nugenics um, testosterone boosters to all of the, <laughs> the, the Republican members. Oh, I'm going to make, a, I'm gonna make a, a spoof on that. Yeah, I've already, uh, that, that's on my list of, uh, of, of topics of, uh, you know, T-Rex uh-huh. testosterone for Republicans, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, so let's talk about Tucker Carlson. Okay. And the theme here is that nice segue. Tucker Carlson, huh? I said nice segue. I'm sorry I interrupted you. 
So Tucker Carlson is, um, well, I kind of ignored you. I just jumped over it. But, but time is short. So, so Tucker Carlson is an example of excellent lawyers. Oh, help you is he a lawyer? What it is I'm talking about. Does, no, does he have a lot lawyers, of Oh. No, his lawyers are brilliant. Mm. So, so Tucker Carlson, as far as we can tell, because he is being tight-lipped and he's being, you know, he's being very brilliant. I mean, he, he, he's got message discipline. He's got the right way of doing things. He's not um, attacking Fox News. He's not saying anything that will get him in any trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but as far as we can tell from some pretty strong leaks inside, that he, um, he was not fired. He's under a $20, $20 million a year contract that ends in 2025 after the election. Uh-huh. He, um, <clears throat> he um, probably has enough money now uh, laid up that he doesn't actually care about the $20 million for another year. Um, but wow. they've taken his sh- Fox took his show off the air. But, but they're still paying him. And they're still under contract. They're just not using his show. But they still so have to the pay for it because he's under contract, even if they don't put him on. Right. That's not his fault that he's not on the air. It's their fault. So doesn't that right. change the contract? But the question is, can he go somewhere else mm-hmm. or can he, um, you know, find a voice? Can, can he do something so they don't silence him? So what he did last week, and there was talk about him going on Newsmax, going on uh, something else, I forget, going on Twitter, all these kinds of things. And, um, again, we don't really, you know, we've had to piece together what really happened behind the scenes. So he goes on Twitter, and everyone could go to Ask Tucker Carlson. You know, at Twitter, if anyone wants to listen along, uh, go to Twitter and go to Ask Tucker Carlson. And you know, see what I'm talking about. So he comes out with this 11-minute video, which admittedly, and this is a legal term of art, has the look and feel of his Fox News or some other news, news analysis show. I mean, if you watch it, you will think you are watching an episode from some cable TV or some news outlet. Hmm. But if you look and... and, and and so they, fought, they sent a cease and desist letter, Fox News' lawyers, really dumb, because they just confirmed all the suspicions that people have had that I just mentioned. And they said that, you know, your contract does not allow you to provide similar, the same or similar services to other companies and um, in competition with Fox News, including on the Internet. Now, if you look at the, if you if you look at Tucker Carlson's two videos that he's put up so far, he has this logo at the bottom that says Tucker Carlson on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. I haven't seen the logo. There, I'm with no, you. I understand it. Yeah. There's no advertisement. There's mm-hmm. no company name. He's not providing services for anybody. He's just Tucker Carlson. He's just and making he's on posts Twitter. on Twitter. He's just making social media yeah. posts. Oh, I see what you're getting right. at. Okay, this is it. So you think his lawyers did this on purpose so that they this, couldn't go after him? This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Okay. They can't I wonder why he was on Twitter. 
Yes, it didn't make sense that he was on Twitter. Why not just go, like I said, on another show? I was hoping like One American News. But if he's under well, contract, I think that's, that's where he's. I think that I think he's trying to break them. I think he's trying to head in that. I think he's trying to, to you know, to to split that them and get them to Fox to the point where they'll accept that. Now that means he's given up twenty million dollars, for you know per year, if he does that. Mm-hmm. But, but again, notice there's no advertiser on his t- Twitter video. There's no mm-hmm. company name. There's and now people could say, well, maybe Twitter's paying him. Well, maybe, but we don't know that. Um, and he got like a hundred. And Twitter's not a media. Videos. Twitter's not a media competitor. They're a social media, but it's different. It's not like they have news shows on Twitter. Well, that's what they're. That's what his lawyers are trying to beat Fox over the head with. Oh, I see. Okay. So to try to try to leverage them so they can't shut them up, mm-hmm. they they've done it this way so that when um, <clears throat> when you know they're negotiating about whether or not he can go on Twitter, they 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 have you know. Uh, Tucker Carlson's lawyers have Fox News's news by the throat because there's nothing they can do. He's not providing a service. He's not competing. He's not making money. He's just Tucker Carlson, and he's on Twitter. But that's it. No, that actually makes brilliant sense because yeah. So in other words, he, yeah, I see what they're saying. They're they're using the, they're allowing him to keep broadcasting the way he wants to, but it's not officially a news show, so it's not a breach of contract. But don't these contracts have a clause in them that says something like that uh, you cannot go on an opposing news service while you're working for this company, but that is only enforceable if this company has you on their show, on their network. Isn't there some kind well, of escaping? It depends, on, it depends on how it was written. If, if it okay. doesn't say that, then then his his whoever lawyers negotiated these contracts some mm-hmm. years ago, yep. you know, deserves to have their knuckles wrapped. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, be because the government uh, the government could pay any network to keep somebody off the air, and they could say, "Well, you're under contract; you can't go on another show." Well, wait a minute; they're not allowing me to be on this show, so I can't exercise my commerce rights, my ability to earn income, accumulate property, and do and you know engage in my career. And that should be illegal, too. You cannot pay somebody. In other words, it's like when a company buys the patent um, from an inventor for the specific purpose of keeping that product off the market. Right. Or when, or when somebody buys um, um, Stormy Daniels' story, catch and kill, um, saying, say, we're, we're going to buy your story and we're not going to run it. Yeah, which same is what, kind of thing. Which is well, what Trump did. was accused of doing. Oh, okay. He was okay. not accused of hush payment. He was accused of purchasing her story, which was on the market already. She oh. was trying to sell it. And, and Trump, through uh, Michael Cohen, said, yes, we'll buy it. Yeah, he's a scumbag, so, too. But, but, how do you, but even in law, you cannot buy somebody's uh, silence or you cannot, you cannot take somebody away from their profession. I mean, I understand non-compete clauses. So in other words, if you're, um, I've seen, you know, I was, I did singing telegrams in my twenties, you know, and we had a non-compete clause. I couldn't go work for another singing telegram company while I was working for them. Same thing with radio. When I started WEBY, we had a non-compete clause. I couldn't go broadcast on another radio station, but they also kept me on the air. Once they, once they kicked me off the air, of course, all bets were off. I could do whatever I wanted to. And I did. <laughs> I'm here on Blog Talk. 
but I wasn't under contract with them anymore. But I, it just isn't there a principle of law where you cannot restrict somebody from engaging in their career or exercising their rights or things simply because you had a contract, especially when that contract has changed, that they're not fulfilling their part of the bargain, which is to put him on the air. So he can't compete while he's on the air as long as he's on the air. I mean, isn't, that a, isn't there a, a law that says that too or no? The non-compete clauses are non-compete clauses are very um, squirrely and um, uncertain. Okay. Huh. I mean, the, the, there there are <clears throat> there are factors that a court will consider. They're not hard and fast rules, mm-hmm. but a, a non a non-compete clause that is not limited to ge- to a geographic period. Or to a um, peri- a reasonable period of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, or a certain kind of thing. It's like you can't like if someone if someone works for a Pizza Hut and they or runs a Pizza Hut franchise and they can't run a competing pizza within twenty within ten miles, you know, because if you say within fifty miles, the court might say, no, nah, that's too restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, if if they say, well, I want to run, you know, I, I want to run a yogurt shop, the court would say, no, you can't restrict someone from a, a pizza place from, um, you know, from running a yogurt shop. Um, the, there are there are restricting. The difficulty is is that they here is that they propose to continue paying him, and so as long as which, which shows you that's their problem. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on how it's written. But that shows you how corrupt uh, Rupert Murdoch is. They're willing to they're willing to shell out twenty million dollars to keep the American people in ignorance. Yeah, see that. I mean, well, I heard that the one of the uh, key component in the lawsuit between Dominion and Fox was that they fired Tucker Carlson. I, I think that's a rumor, but let's see what Jonathan says. I don't think rumor? they can do well, that. I, I mean, no, they can't do that. But that doesn't mean they didn't. I mean, the entire Dominion lawsuit, <laughs> you know, should should get all of Fox News's lawyers disbarred because it, 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 it I mean, again, I <clears throat> Larry Clayman used to sue everybody for defamation. And mm-hmm. we would get some of the top law firms in the country filing motions to dismiss. And so Larry would hand them to me. You know, my, my name is not on a lot of these things, but, you know, I'm always the low, you know, the low man on the totem pole who's just like, well, you do this. <laughs> so I read all of these things to dismiss uh-huh. defamation lawsuits, and it would, it would be a piece of cake for, for Fox News to kick that lawsuit out of court and – and sue for their attorney's fees. So they they're absolute morons. Oh. For, 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 so, no, they can't do that with Tucker. Tucker's not, for, for one thing, Tucker's not a party. Mm-hmm. He'd have to consent to this plan, and he obviously has not. Mm-hmm. And so, no, they can't do it, but they screwed the whole thing up from day one. So, um, so I got another question, though, because the contract is that Tucker will not compete with Fox News while he's on the air. But if they've taken him off the air, 
isn't that a breach of contract on their part? Because the whole point of this contract is that Tucker is on the air. He's on Fox News. He does the Tucker Carlson show. That 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 we we don't that we don't know exactly what the contract says. But wouldn't that be a breach of contract anyway? If if the contract is you know non compete that while you're on the air you can't go with other companies, the presumption is that you're going to be on the air, and to not be on the air to be taken off the air willfully for no particular reason, um, you know unless you're fire unless they fire him for cause, which apparently they haven't done. They've just taken him off the air. That to me would be a breach of contract because they're, the contract's only enforceable while he's on the air. I would argue right. that. Right, well, I mean, you, you could. I mean, that's why I have a friend who, who's been through a few lawsuits, and he says that's what they huh. call it's arguable. That means you can argue about it, and the, okay. lawyers will, the lawyers will argue about it and bill lots of money. So, can I bill lots of money? But, I, I don't know. Um hmm. Too bad. But the thing, but the thing is, is I, you know, I think that Tucker Carlson is trying to wear them down. I mean, because the thing is, any contract can be amended, or you know what they call. So if they say, look, um, regardless of what it says, mm-hmm. things have changed, and we want to cancel it and walk away. And so I think that what he, what Tucker and his lawyers are doing is trying to chip away at Fox and get them to, to uh, um, sign what's called a novation, which means an amendment of, a con- of the contract. So hmm. all this would go. So he would say, look, I'll give up my $20 million mm-hmm. and, <clears throat> and you let me leave. Well, they're giving up too because they're spending $20 million, but they're not getting the ad revenue from all of Tucker's appearances where he had millions of listeners. So how much are they losing? They're losing the $20 million plus the using, losing the ad revenue who he brought in, which I assume is over $20 million, or there'd be no point in hiring him. So, how much, so they're that, losing that, that too. Shows, that shows how committed the Murdoch family is to deceiving you, the American people, and keeping you from knowing – the truth. Okay. Uh, Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, how, how, much, how much would you be willing to spend yeah. to keep Dr. Carlson off the air, and why? Well, um, then here's the question. Uh, what if he's, what if, uh, the, well, here's something I find interesting, too. Pfizer is paying $9 million of Anderson Cooper's $12 million salary. So how much is Fox being paid by the government? to keep Tucker Carlson off the air. Maybe, maybe Fox isn't uh, suffering economically at all. Maybe they've made a deal. And how is it that Pfizer, you know, could, could pay for Anderson Cooper to propagandize in favor of Pfizer? Right. Anyway, so you want to move to, um, but you see, this is how, uh-huh. you know, this, when I say, when I say that these lawyers are, you know, are eunuchs, I mean, I, when I was in law school, I had a friend and she was a very good you know, I liked her. I mean, she was married and everything, but, but she was just a nice person. And um, um, she had a job with the government. And you, you think that people go into law school to fight, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, to be, you know, to be this great Perry Mason or things like that. Uh, I, there was one woman who was not married that I had the hots for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say Andrea. Um, she uh, was terrified uh, you know, she was shy as could be, 
Like, why did you go to law school? And, <laughs> um, you know, and, well, I mean, and, and the lawyers other friend, that are on trial, you know, they're, they're non-trial lawyers. They're, they're yes, backroom office, you know, you know, it's minion, true, but, you know, minion I, lawyers. Right. But, yeah. but, um, but then, so this, this, the first woman who had the government job already, she wanted to go to, she, she asked uh, her professors to make a deal. Don't, um, <clears throat> they uh, don't, um, <coughs> says, don't call on me in class and I'll just take the C. What? You know, you just, just, just give me a C and, uh, but don't call me in class. And um, the, the professor said no. But but she, I mean, but she was she she was more interested in not having to talk in class as a law, as a prospective lawyer mm-hmm. than than whether or not she got a good grade. She must have had a so, job already lined up. No, she already had. She was already employed by the government. Oh, see, that's why yeah, I won't say any, I won't say any more than that because yeah, it, I don't want to identify her. But yeah. um. So, so anyway, the, um, you know, so when you think of, um, you know, when, when you think of these lawyers, you know, they're not the, you know, they're not the, uh, um, what's the guy in, in, uh, oh, shoot. I can't say the guy with the, oh, come on, that. Anyway, they're not the brave lawyers you think of. Oh, well, see, now this is now this is interesting. It's a good point. I'm going to take a break in a minute just to give us all a chance to get more coffee and, and uh, just, you know, just do some different stuff. But um, the trial, I love trial movies, but they never work out that way in practice. If you ever watch an actual right. case, most cases are really boring. But if you watch, you know, Perry Mason or uh, Paul Newman in The Verdict or uh, Gene Hackman with the, the, the jury or something like that or some of these other great trial films, uh, they're fascinating. They're a lot more interesting than the actual cases. <laughs> you were just kind of crazy. All right, let's let's take a break right. for a few minutes, um, and just uh, and then you want to come back with the well. We, I want to talk again now. Pianca and I sort of wrestled over the uh, um, the case on Alabama. You know, Supreme Court telling Alabama to create uh, two black districts for voting. We disagree on that a little bit. I, I think the Supreme Court broke the law in the Constitution. Pianca says no. So we already had a little bit of a discussion on that already. But let's get your take on it. The themes and the errors are similar in both the drag queen case and that case. So, yeah, let's do that. Okay. So take a break, get some coffee, and play a couple of announcements and maybe one of my old Santa Rosa Volunteers pieces. Uh, maybe some music. All I don't right. know. I'll figure it out. Anyway, back in a few. So everybody take a break, mute yourselves, and we'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. 
The complete guide to flight instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery? Alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care. Better health through better knowledge and advocacy.
Nation Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Isn't that fun? Everybody feel better now? Well, let me unmute all my, my folks and uh, bring it back on. We got Pianchi, we got Jonathan. <clears throat> Jonathan has a couple more cases to go over. Feel better now, guys? What do you think? Isn't that cool? A little jazz interlude? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get more of those. I've got uh, my soundtrack. I've I got to go delve into the soundtrack vaults. There's a whole bunch of uh, non-copyrighted music that I can play, and that's just one of them. So I'm going to get more. I got my classical selections for... Uh, you know, at the end of the show, there's a lot of, you know, when I buy myself a lot of times, I'll drop a couple of tunes here and there. So it's fun. Anyway, Jonathan, back to you, sir. So you are uh, interested first in, <clears throat> in Alabama. Yes. Let's see. Um, I want to check one. I'm, I'm scrolling. So anyway, last week, um, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court, oh, guess who's reading who's writing the uh, majority opinion for the court. You want to give two guesses? Well, I actually know. I've, I've, I've actually, I've got the Supreme court uh, opinion. I've got the Politico article on it. I mean, I, I know too much about this thing already. <laughs> so why don't you just uh, right. so, spill the So beans. our, our brave, brave warrior for justice, um, chief justice Roberts uh-huh. um, delivered the opinion of the court, except as to yeah. part three B one. People describe how, you know, my constitutional law professor way back when, you know, mm-hmm. describes how these opinions are like cobbling together a committee report. So something may change in order to get one more uh, ju- vote. <clears throat> um, the opinion may zigzag into things. You're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? But it's a pet issue of one of the votes they want, that kind of thing. So anyway, yep. the last... Um, Last week, um, uh, led by by Judge Roberts, mm-hmm. um, and, and and sometimes it's hard to figure out what the what the votes are because of um, there are different sections they agree to well, or don't agree to. The conservative majority is gone. I mean, everybody uh, that thought that <coughs> the court had conservative, you know, you got Judge Roberts and and Pratt Boy Kavanaugh that have already defected to to the Marxist left. You know, on this issue, which means they're going to do it on other issues. So there is no conservative majority anymore. That's what I found. Right. Well, in um, in uh, foreign policy, like when I was over there, there's this well-known idea, and I'm not going to use the word because, frankly, outside of context, it may be misunderstood. But there's this context that we send ambassadors to other um, countries, and mm-hmm. within a few years, they identify more with that other country than they do with the United States. It's yeah, that. it's called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> well, there's, an, <clears throat> there's another name for it, too. But anyway, so... Acclamation? So yeah, Robert, you know, so we sent Kavanaugh and... Bribery. You know, they're good for... 
they're good for a little while and then um, yeah. whatever. So, so one of you, but the thing is, first of all, what we what will be good for observers of politics and law. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's, it's very hard to separate the two these days to separate politics mm-hmm. from anything. But for those who care about our government, our country, politics and, and, and things like that, um, m- most of the time, the Supreme Court is not deciding the Constitution. Um, the vast oh, there's a revelation. Come the Supreme Court <laughs> say, say that again. That, that's really important. That, that's, it's really important what you just said, that they're not – say that again, but they're not following the Constitution? Well, they're not, they're not interpreting the Constitution. Oh. They're not purporting to, to reach – now, they do, they do delve into it a little bit here, but, um, but primarily they are interpreting the Voting Rights Act. Now they're doing oh, see, a bad job of it. We've got a different view of the word interpreting. So interpreting to me is changing. If you interpret French into English, you're changing, but it never translates exactly. So if you're interpreting the Constitution, you're taking <laughs> the words as written, which I believe they should use as written. Uh, no historical context, no what they meant back then, none of that stuff. They take the words as written, as long as you use the, the meanings of the state. In other words, well-regulated, you have to update to mean well-equipped. Uh, but as far as that goes, but th- this idea that you interpret, why would you interpret something that was written to be used specifically as it was written? I never understood well, that. Well, because their, their, I mean, their exercise is that there's two, two reasonable ways to, to, to understand the statutes. Okay. Because now, okay, so if, if um, Congress would do its job, <laughs> and and write and write laws that didn't totally stink. Um, you know, I'm talking about writing quality. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not even talking that. about poli- politics. Yeah. I'm talking about like, um, mm-hmm. you know, high school English. Right. If they um, if they learned or you know legal writing, I learned in in law school. Like we when we talked about this, like with the with the death ceiling, the Fourteenth Amendment says that the uh, the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. Well, by whom? Well, that's, that's not what it says, voice. too. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, roughly, I'm, I'm saying it roughly, but I'm saying, like, mm. that's just bad writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the 14th Amendment is noticeably worse written than 100 years earlier when we had real scholars writing the Constitution. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just 100, 150 years went by and the quality of writing, you know, collapsed in the, in the amendments. To well, they should have stuck anyway, with the first section. They, they didn't need the, the, the back three sections. They've been fine. They just stuck with the first section. That actually made a lot of yeah. sense. You know, so we should start right. the other Well, anyway, section. so, yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, the whole issue of what to do about the public, about the, the war, war bonds for the two sides, that didn't need to be in the Constitution. Congress could have yeah. just sat down and banged out a law and decided what to mm-hmm. do about it. Yep. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> a lot of the, I mean, the, their point, their point of view would be that there, there's, there's different ways to read the Voting Rights Act. Now, this raises all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Number one would be is if all these learned justices can't figure out what it, what it means, they should strike it down as, as void for vagueness. They should send it back and say, Congress, you go fix it. Yeah. That's not our job. That, that, would, that would make sense. Yeah, they should do yeah, that. And that's, time. Yeah. 
and, and see, that's, that is the rule sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, when they feel like it, they do that. When they don't feel like it, they don't. So, so the, the way, what they're supposed to do, except when they don't want to, mm-hmm. is say, look, we're not the legislature. Congress made a bleeping mess of this, yep. so we're not going to fix it. You go back <laughs> and you fix it, Congress. Well, because and they the, can't legislate, so that's actually are, that's actually an Article Three correct uh, action is to send a, if they find something unconstitutional or illegal, they send it back to the legislature to to fix the the law that caused something to be unconstitutional or illegal. That's a good result. Well, and sometimes that's, it's that's unconstitutional. Within sometimes it's unconstitutional because you can't figure out what it says, and there well, are there are grounds that says that what this does is it puts unfettered discretion. Uh-huh. in the hands of government officials because it's so vague and and incomprehensible that it allows the government official to do just whatever they want. There are no That's standards. arbitrary and capricious though, right? Yes. That's well okay. arbitrary and capricious you know, again. Yes, it is. <laughs> but there's two section five. Section five of the nineteen sixty five Voters Rights Act was vacated simply because those areas at that time was mostly white, now they all black. So you mean to say that blacks going to discriminate against themselves? It can't be well, forever. That's, a, that's another issue, that, and it's a very good one. Um, and, and you don't – I can't think of another law like that, that where it's, it's designed to, to solve a problem that presumably, is, is one would hope, is going to go away. Um, you know, this so, case in Alabama – uh, mostly. See, when blacks are, let's take a city, when blacks are in power, they try to include all blacks in what they call a black district. They draw the line. There's a house over there. Go over and put it in this circle. Oh, there's one over there. Go and put them in this circle. Well, blacks move into other areas for a lot of reasons, and one is because they don't want to be in that district no more. But they are forced to with these type of practices. For the Supreme Court to tell Alabama to go out and create a segregated district, that's totally wrong. Actually, two of them. It's even worse. A- 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 amen. I, I, you know, I could. You, how are you going to say that blacks make up uh, 25% of the state of Alabama, therefore they should have two districts? Well, hell, they, they may be distributed all over the damn state. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. You can't say that. There's another. That's the one can't... part. Go ahead. Last one on my point. Jonathan? That, that's the one part where this um, uh, Alan V. Milligan from last right. week did actually uh, veer into the constitutional analysis, um, although it was sort of a hybrid between um, how do you interpret the um, – the statute and how do you deal with the, the issues and that that's where they actually did get off of it and and, and if we can <clears throat> put a pause on that I don't when people say put a pin in it I I I have a good friend who says that but I actually don't know what it means so I'm gonna hmm. avoid saying it. but but if we just like put put your, your your thumb in the in the on that page of the book let's read the 15th amendment real quick it's very short <clears throat> section uh-huh. one the rights of the United States to the rights of the right of citizens of the United States to vote 
shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Mm-hmm. Section 2, as we were talking about in the last hour, the Congress yep. shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Now, it's a controversy. Does Section 2 mean the power to reinterpret, to change, to bend? But it's Section 2 says the Congress shall have power to enforce, enforce this article yeah. by appropriate legislation. But as we know, you know, it's like he who counts the votes. Uh, it doesn't matter what, who votes. It matters who counts the who votes. Counts so the, yeah, the but... power to enforce is, is sort of ambiguous. So that's where, like Priyanki was saying, we get into all these, these other issues. So mm-hmm. the, the right of citizens to vote shall not be denied or abridged um, on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. What's there difference between race and color? That, What's the difference between race and color? I don't know. I don't know what any of these things mean. Okay, I'm just curious. I mean, you know, no, I mean, you're asking the right question. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, what, what, interesting this, part. what does this mean? Well, here's the most interesting part, and I picked on this. I only picked up on this this morning. The right of citizens of the so United States when, to vote. Hold on, Pianki. No, I want to make this point. It, it says the very first sentence, the right of citizens of the United States to vote. Well, that assumes mm-hmm. that uh, no other citizen can vote, nor can illegal aliens. It says, and in any so in other words, law, this is an exclusion. This is an exclusion of anybody else voting except United States citizens, because this is the right of United States citizens of the United States to vote. And right? in any other law or contract or anything like that, a, a, a rational court would say, well, I guess what they meant here would exclude non, non-citizens for voting. You know, mm-hmm. I would interpret that as meaning that that, you know, if you're not a citizen of the United States, you're not supposed to be voting. Right. Anyway. So now you can discriminate well, against non-citizens. Bianchi was, was ahead, Bianchi. on the right track. Go when they say yeah. color, they're talking about what blacks used to be called, back, uh, identified as years ago, decades ago. Uh-huh. That's where they get Well, that. it says color, not colored with a D. So if, if race is not I, by skin color, are they talking, uh, in other words, is there a difference between a racial identity and a skin color identity? That's what I'm wondering. It just seems, usually it's That's race, it national origin, ethnic, religion. Whites and colored. The sign said whites and colored. Right. Colored here, white there. Is that where people of color well, came I mean, from? Piaki raises a, a, the concept that one should, you know, one tries to interpret what mm-hmm. somebody wrote during the time period in which they wrote it. Uh, you still, I see. I think the words have the same. In other words, the only time you would do that is when the word means something different today. So, again, my favorite one being well-regulated. That does not mean government-regulated well. It means well-equipped, like an infantry soldier in terms of the Second Amendment. Right. So use, you've got to, you've got to take – so you can get a dictionary meaning. They use black and African-American. Okay, exactly. So if they, all right. So in other words, but but wouldn't that be a race? Was not black a race at that during our early times, during the Civil War? No, black was an ethnic group. It ain't but one race. That's a human race. It was an ethnic group. But what were they? What were they writing about in the Constitution then? So you're saying there's a difference between well, race that, and color. That's my, that's so my so complaint. who was? So who were who were the slaves? Were there slaves that were black because of race, or slaves that were black because of color? They well, never mentioned the word slaves in the Constitution. 
the last phrase is the only thing that saves this from complete irrelevance. Previous which condition is? of servitude. There you go. Which would yeah. include perhaps indentured. I mean, obviously. Uh, no that, those are the same question I had. Uh, indentured servants and American Indians. Yeah. Well, yeah, you course, had white slaves course, in this country. All slaves right. were just quote unquote black uh, color. Yeah, but well, white, but there weren't there laws against white people voting, as far as I know. The, the, but the, the the experience, of course, is with nothing like white women. The severe, the severe severity of, you know, mm. of um, whatever you want to call them. That you know, slaves based upon being kidnapped from from Africa, right. um, whatever you want to call them. Obviously, their experience was you know vastly worse, but. But when you're talking about law, you say, mm-hmm. "Well, who who are these people? Conditions of servitude." It's, but at least it, at least it covers the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know yeah. is, is you know is the Irish? I mean, the Irish were when they first came over. They were indentured they were servants, and they were white. They were indentured servants, and they were disfavored. Are they a race? Well, that's, well, it says I don't color. Think so. But so, but but color doesn't really matter. It really is, like you say, conditions of servitude. So now what was well, interesting, yeah, what Pianchi just said, Pianchi just said women. Let me explain to you guys. What? First, okay, what about, Johnson, you made a mistake. <clears throat> Johnson, you made a mistake when you said kidnapped. They were not kidnapped. <clears throat> but well, black plantation well, owners, if black plantation owners sponsored white settlers to the United States, and they received 50 acres of land. Well, those white settlers were servants to those black plantation owners until they worked off that amount, whatever the equivalency was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, someone who is a, um, a debt slave, like uh, even in the Bible, you know, because you couldn't, people couldn't get a mortgage on a house, so they'd mortgage themselves. You know, obviously they didn't suffer as badly as, as certain groups. But, um, but, for example, the Chinese came over in San Francisco, they were highly disfavored. They were probably not uh, formally in servitude, but I'll bet some of them were not allowed to vote. Um, well, they and I haven't to studied vote. it. <laughs> they oh, I, I have. <laughs> yeah, the Chinese uh, had no rights. The Chinese had no rights in, in, in this country. They right. were uh, so, so thrown under the railroads. Make, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I this, want to get back to the voting to say that everybody, yeah. everybody should be able to vote um, if they're a uh-huh. citizen of the United States, um, and the amendment, like it, like most other parts of it, is badly written. Yes, the Constitution is the best governing document ever written in hum- human history, but it's still it's wrong. Not, yeah, it's still yeah. it's still far from perfect. Yeah. Well, um, I've got so, the, I've got the Voting Rights Act right here. I want to go over a couple of sections real quickly. But Pianchi made a brilliant statement earlier. He said, "What about women? This should have granted women a vote." Well, women had the right to vote with the uh, 15th. See, the Voters' Rights Act was not about voting. It was about registration. They just put that title on it. And another thing, it was a consent decree on some of the, the sections. States did not have to agree to it unless they wanted to. That's why I come but, Roberts uh, in his court. They vacated Section 5 because districts that was predominantly white at the time is now predominantly black. I mean, you can't keep those things running forever. Let's talk about consent decrees because this, this came up earlier in the show. Jonathan, what is a consent decree? Um, well, really, it's just a settlement. It's like people, 
go into a lawsuit. Um, they work it out. Usually, usually the judge figures out who's the most stubborn person and harangues <laughs> them and threatens them and makes it sound like they're going to lose to get right. them to go out and settle. So okay. they write up a they write up a, a plan, but it's usually more forward looking. Most settlements are like, um, you know, all right, uh, you know, pay me ten thousand dollars and don't do it again. But a consent decree tends to mean a more long run, long running, operational, almost governmental plan for how they're going to do things in the future. So is it voluntary? I mean, it's supposed to be because it says consent, but it, I don't remember the voting things where they had to do so much stuff. And I forgot what the actual terms of these contracts were, but the Supreme Court told states that they had to do certain things under a consent decree. And I'm thinking this sounds very much like consent. They had to get plea clearance from the Justice Department, even if they wanted to take a polling place and move it across the street. Yeah, it's crazy. But but that's but that's a consent decree become like most settlements, you know, it, it essentially becomes a contract. Okay. So so what the government might be what the court might be saying is is that you wouldn't normally be required to do this, but because you entered into a consent decree, you're required to do it as a as a matter of, of contract. Backed up backed up by the court. Like in Ferguson, they was complaining that too many blacks, well, blacks was the only one being stopped. Stops. Well, hell, that's the only one driving those areas. So I guess they uh, came to an agreement that for every yeah. 10 blacks, we would uh, stop two whites. Well, if you can't find no whites, you got to get out of that, that uh, agreement. So the yeah. consent decree is nothing more than an agreement between parties, and it's not forever. Right. Right. And even an ordinary contract. Let me ask one more question. Even an ordinary contract is subject to change right. if the circumstances change. Right. Go ahead. Well, I'm just to say, if the Justice Department is enforcing provisions of the, quote, consent decree, it doesn't sound very consensual. And, it, and I think that's one of the problems is that the states were going back and saying, wait a minute, this is that this, this well, I we think, got over this problem 20 years ago. Why are you still telling us how to run our elections? That's where I think the problem is. I think is. those are cases where the Department of Justice is one of the parties to the consent decree. Okay. All right. Well, let me, let me get into the Voting Rights Act itself here. I've got 52 U.S. Code 10101. They talk about Section 2. Uh, Section 2 basically says the Attorney General can enforce Section 1. So I've got Section 1 right here. And it says race, color, or previous condition not to affect right to vote, uniform standards for voting, qualifications, errors. It gives the basic subject matter. The key is right here in this section, A52 U.S. Code, Section 10101A1. All citizens of the United States who are otherwise qualified by law to vote at any election by the people in any state, territory, district, county, city, parish, township, school, district, municipality, or other territorial subdivision shall be entitled and allowed to vote at all such elections, and here's the key part, without distinction of race, color, or previous condition of servitude, and that's from the 15th Amendment. Then it says any construction, law, custom, usage, or regulation of any state or territory or by under by or under its authority to the contrary notwithstanding. So what this tells me, and this is what we're going to get to in this case of the, uh, the assigning of two black districts, is that this is the voting is an individual right, and the state treated it as a group right, and the Supreme Court treated it as a group right. And this is where I think they made the mistake. It says the, this, this prevents discri- discrimination 
uh, or any kind of distinction between race, color, or previous condition of servitude. In other words, they have to allow everybody to vote individually. That's what the law says. And then the next part is no person acting under color of law. And this is where Pianchi and I disagree, because I think under color of law includes the judiciary, includes the courts who enforce consent decrees or, or enforce laws or, the, or you know, do convictions and all the stuff that the courts do. Says in determining whether an individual is qualified, da, 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 uh, they can apply any standard practice or procedure different. Oh, it says in any election. Hang on, let me start again. In determining whether any individual is qualified under state law or laws to vote in any election, apply any standard practice or procedure different. Here's the key: procedure different from the standards, practices, or procedures applied under such law or laws to other individuals within the same county, parish, or similar political subdivision. So it seems to me that the Supreme Court erred twice. Once, because they treated people differently in Section 1, and two, under color of law, they basically did the same thing. They made it a group right, and they, they gave an advantage to black districts or perceived advantage over other districts by color. So they violated their own law. That's what it looks like to well, me. Well, let me ask you, let me ask down to the question. Go I hear it. people are making the point that blacks in Alabama make up 25% of the population. So they should have, out of the seven districts, they should have two. Actually, it would be one and three quarters. Now, let me ask you a question. Suppose this black population, which is 25% of the state of Alabama's population, is distributed all over the state. So are your district lines supposed to head north, then head west, then head east and finish south to encompass all the blacks? Well, uh, it's a factor. And uh, the, the, the art of drawing districts includes all kinds of considerations, but, <clears throat> but all other things being equal, yes. Um, and let me answer best by quoting the, the most troubling part of this. This is from the syllabus or summary. Uh-huh. Uh, the syllabus of a case is a summary, but it's a good summary. Um, this is something that, that I think both addresses your question and sets it up. It's like, so um, it says in one, this court first addressed the 1982 amendments to section two, that is of the Voting Rights Act, in Thornburg v. Gingles, um, and has for the last 37 years evaluated section two claims using the Gingles framework. Gingles described the essence of a Section 2 claim is when a certain electoral law practice or structure interacts with social and historical conditions to cause an inequality in the opportunities enjoyed by black and white voters. And if anyone listening knows what the heck that means, I mean, not just your opinion, but what it actually means. Well, I agree with you. My daughter was not born during that time. My daughter moved to Way North County, which is predominantly white, away from the first congressional district, which is predominantly black. Well, actually not. So when the black politicians sit down and try to give things to their advantage on a perception that people with the same skin color or similar is going to vote for them, that is totally wrong. Oh, yeah, we talked about that earlier. I agree. It's racist. you're going to love this. Let me go on. You're going to love this. And I think you both read it, but let me just highlight this. So it goes on to say that occurs where an electoral, and this is Supreme Court. This is the first Supreme, this is not an op-ed in the newspaper. 
that occurs <laughs> that occurs where an electoral structure operates to minimize or cancel out minorities voters ability to elect their preferred candidates such a writ now how in the world does the supreme court know who is their preferred candidate well uh, they're, they're they're doing a group uh they're doing group voting by race they're assuming that people yeah, vote with their right. skin color, not with their brains. And that's what I said earlier. And, and so my very me, first opening statement. Continue. So, oh, please do. So continuing with the syllabus or summary, such uh-huh. a risk is greatest, quote, where minority and majority, and the quote is from another case. This is all from the Supreme Court uh, right. last week. Such a risk is greatest where minority and majority voters consistently prefer different candidates. How the heck do you know that? And where and minority voters... Yeah, that's well, not that's true, true because I knew I, I can point out cases when you've had the control of a city of university city, which is a majority white and they blacked it. Willie Northleaf, who is black, is a controller. So that's just totally bogus what they're saying, unless the yeah. people are just plain dumb. No, this is ruling by racism, and this is why this is so leftist, and I think people are missing the point. Not you guys, but I'm just saying people miss when they look at the Supreme Court case that they're really doing a group voting right, and this is an individual right. The only thing the government's responsible for doing is making sure there are no barriers to voting for anybody. doesn't matter. You're, right. you're Absolutely. And that's what I read from the 15th. Right, but that's what I read from the 15th Amendment. That's all they can do. They cannot give an advantage to any particular group nor distinguish other groups, nor segregate other groups, nor create voting districts based, based on race, because then it becomes a group right sanctioned by the government that people are voting by group. And they can't do that. That's what makes it nor unconstitutional. Con- nor consider or guarantee an outcome. You know, exactly. Who, who's going to win? Yeah. And, and, and that's what, if you, if you compare the, the 15th Amendment that we wrote about the, the, the yeah. right to vote, versus what they're doing here, it's completely night and day. So, I mean, but right. it, it only gets worse. And again, you and I can <laughs> say this all day long. You can read opinions, but this is the, the, the bleep in Supreme Court saying this. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and where minority voters are submerged in a majority voting population that regularly defeats their choices. Well, maybe they just don't choose who you think they choose. You know, well, how would they if, know if, unless they knew you the know vote? Yeah, do they know the votes? Are they looking at white people voting and black people voting? Are they? I mean, you can do statistical right. stuff, How and you can do, do exit polling, oh my but God. they're not, unless they know that white people only vote right. for white people. I mean, how do you explain Obama getting elected then? And, and there's well, no, you're, you're there's no name on the ballot. Is there a name on a ballot? Is there right, an identification? Right, right. This ballot came from a black voter? Right, right, right. So you have white votes and black votes. I mean, how are they tracking this? So, I mean, so basically when you really think about it, which John mm-hmm. Roberts clearly never did, <laughs> is, is they're saying Democrats lost. Mm-hmm. And this is the wham, we lost, um, you know, theory. So let me, but let me go on. It says to prove a Section 2 violation of under Gingles, plaintiffs must satisfy three preconditions. First, the minority group must be sufficiently large and geographically compact to constitute a majority in a reasonably configured district. That's part of the answer to Pianti's question. They do consider a lot of different factors. Second, mm-hmm. the, more, the minority group must be able to show that it is politically cohesive. What? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Well, I mean, that's, how, that's how, another thing. 
In other words, even blacks black. themselves say they're not conceited. Blacks say that blacks don't buy from our store. You know what's next? They're going to want a law that requires blacks to buy only with black proprietors, and that's totally mm-hmm. wrong. And that just well, you goes to show you that, that you got these black politicians who think that they should have all the black votes. That's what right. they think. They're not getting all the black votes, so they go run to the Supreme Court yep. to get them to force it. I mean, I mean, if I were, you know, I, I think it would be good to voluntarily, you know, shop from my community, whatever that might be, maybe Christians or whatever. But I will fight, you know, I will fight beside you for the right not to do it if you don't want to. Yeah. And you know who's pushing this, don't you? It's progressive white. Oh, that's, that's why do you say that? Pushing it. All you gotta do is go on their Twitter page and listen to what oh, they say. they want they want black voters. This is this is like the black plantation. This is like the the, the two section black plantation of Alabama, Democrat plantation. Yeah. It's the black, yeah. it's the progressive woke whites that's pushing uh-huh. this in cohesion with. Black factions like the NAACP, who gets mm-hmm. their backing from grants like Wells Fargo, which is basically white. That's how all this stuff comes about. And they yeah, try to corral mm-hmm. blacks into the ideology of a separate nation, which does not exist and will not exist. Like when you yeah. hear blacks say, we need, to, we need to police our own community. We need to have our own separate this, our own separate that. I, I That's a bunch that. of work. But like Muslims and Chinese <laughs> police stations. Hey, let me ask you another question, Jonathan, just to throw a monkey wrench into this. In these black districts, how are they making sure that the white voters don't have their access blocked to vote? How are we ensuring the minority rights of the minority whites in these black voting districts? Well, the Supreme Court is talking about it in, you know, 40,000-foot views of generalities. <laughs> I mean, that was a sarcastic that question, would re- That would require... Mm-hmm. That to be proven in the trial courts um, factually. So you have to say, because they, they say that it has to be linked to a social and historical um, context and all these other things. So, you know, the trial court would have to get into all that, but they won't. They will, you know, using this as a billy club, mm-hmm. they'll just uh, get them to settle, get a consent decree. And because they don't want to fight it, and they look like you know whatever. But they don't want to look like they're racist. Say it. They don't want to appear racist, so they'll right. go along with this leftist thuggery and create black districts, which is blatantly racist under the assumption that people have group that people vote as a group, vote as a block. They've completely violated any principle of one person, one vote, and that voting is an individual right. They've, this is why I say this is an unconstitutional, unconstitutional well, decision. And, and They've completely the violated that context. Me, I, see, I see this from the, from the corrupt prosecutors of the departure from justice in the January mm-hmm. 6th cases all the time, is mm. they're mind reading. Mm. How, how do they know what people's mm-hmm. preferred candidates are? You know, how do they know who they would? Well, we went into this with the, with it very, very well with you guys saying about the, 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 the ballots. But that's what they're ruling this mm-hmm. on the basis of we know how these people wanted to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, how the hell do they know? I mean, even if, they even if we were Martians, you know, mm-hmm. even, even if this were another planet where there were, 
you know, green Martians and blue Martians, and, and we knew nothing else about them. We would say, well, how the hell do you know what's hmm. in people's minds? Yeah. Here's another um, question. How do they handle mixed-race families within these black voting districts? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just threw that in. I don't, I don't know. Well, the thing is, is that the thing is, is that theoretically they're sending it mm-hmm. back to the trial court mm-hmm. to get into these nitty-gritty details because the Supreme Court doesn't like to get their hands dirty. They, you know, they they make grand thoughts. Well, they're they, like the the they're like the mafia don. They're ordering the, the the trial court to do their dirty work. This case never should have come up. This is crazy. I've, I've got um, Clarence Thomas's dissent. If you're curious to hear the opening, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, go ahead. So Thomas says these cases are yet another installment uh, in the disastrous misadventure of this court's voting rights jurisprudence. Case, 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 case. Then he says what distinguishes them is the uncommon clarity in which they lay bare the gulf between our colorblind constitution, and he says C.B. Ferguson, and the consciously segregated districting system currently being constructed in the name of the Voting Rights Act. That pretty much sums it up. Right. We know who. Oh, brilliant. We we know how you we know how you wanted to vote because you would you would want to vote the way we want you to vote, mm-hmm. and we're going to use the power of the government to make sure yep. that you vote the way we would have wanted you to vote. Yeah. And then he goes on. Um, <clears throat> I go ahead. So, I so yeah, but, but I mean I mean what yeah. does it mean that a minority is and notice in order to make this work mm-hmm. they're not specifying what minority what if they're you know what if they, of course there's no such thing as a white evangelical never has existed never will um mm-hmm. but what what if what if in alabama the evangelical church community mm-hmm. is the, is the minority we're analyzing but anyway so they're saying so what makes somebody politically cohesive now, yeah. I just mentioned the evangelical church. They share principles in common. Voters maybe um, share their skin color, which we're not – now, maybe they share a historical background, but what does it mean that they're politically cohesive? In what way you – know, why are they political, mm-hmm. politically co- cohesive other than the men in black robes at being racist? Yeah, I, I like this part here where he says the, the consciously segregated districting system. So he says they're consciously doing this. They're actually, in other words, they're bringing back segregation under the guise of the Voting Rights Act. So he's basically accused them of racism, of resegregation. And then he says the question mm-hmm. presented is whether Section 2 of the Act, as amended, requires the state of Alabama to intent, intentionally redraw its longstanding congressional districts so that black voters can control a number of seats roughly proportional to the black share of the state's population. Section 2 demands no such thing. And if it did, the Constitution would not permit it. He's absolutely right. Clarence Thomas is the only one on the court that's got any sense. I'll tell you the no, truth. Uh-huh. That's why they no, want to get Alito rid of does too. Alito does too. He's the one that wrote the. Uh, yeah, well, the well yeah, Wayfair. Alito do too. I'm sorry, but that's, those that's two it. do. But they don't. But they're not talking. But you don't hear people out in the population uh, making a movement to get rid of Clarence Thomas, making a movement to take down his statues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the, the only ones I would keep actually on the court are um, are Alito and Thomas. 
because they're the only two that make sense. They're the only ones that wanted the Texas case, for example, the election case. Let me give you another one. He has a resolution. He's brilliant. He says what he needs to say in like three or four paragraphs, and then he just goes on with other stuff. But anyways, he says, at the outset, I would resolve these cases in a way that would not require the federal judiciary to decide the correct racial apportionment of Alabama's congressional seats. That's brilliant. The statutory text, a Section 2 challenge, must target a voting qualification or prerequisite to voting or standard practice or procedure, what we've been talking about. In other words, the government cannot limit uh, anybody's right to vote. Then it says, I have long been convinced that those words reach only enactments that regulate citizens' access to the ballot or the processes for counting a ballot, which is interesting. They do not include a state's choice of one districting scheme over another. The Section 2 cannot provide a basis for invalidation. Hold on. One more sentence. One more sentence. Let me just finish one sentence. So he says, thus, Section 2 cannot provide a basis for invalidating any district. So what he's saying is that the use of Section 2 doesn't apply in this case. And I think he's absolutely right there, too. Pianchi. Well, I think we're kind of coming into clarity. Go ahead, Pianchi. Yeah, send that to me in a Facebook message, would you please? Oh, sure. uh, You know, he's right. And you know who's wrong? See, it's okay for the court to make those opinions, but mm-hmm. now here's where it gets down to the nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. Does Alabama have to go about creating a segregated district? And I say they don't have to do it because they have come under fire for being discriminatory. Creating a segregated district would be, in effect, discrimination. Yes, Absolutely. Could they and, be uh, found in violation of another? Could they be found in violation of another law for creating a segregated district? Well, yeah, but by whom? By the same Supreme Court that's decided what they want the outcome to be. But maybe the Alabama the Supreme is, Court. What if the Alabama Supreme Court takes this up? Well, then it would it would create a a conflict, and the Supreme Court would have to revisit. Uh, the Alabama Supreme Court uh, should do that, um, and. Um, but uh, any event, so so um, so yeah. The other thing too is while this technically is about Alabama, uh-huh. uh, especially because legislators all over the legislature tours all over the country will only read the headlines. This is going right. to be repeated all over the country. Going to be repeated in Louisiana and Georgia and Ohio next. Anyway, yes, so I got to go. I got to call the legislature. Go for it. Hey, you're going to get Josh Holly on the show, right? You want to call him up? Get Josh Holly on? I wish I had I wish I had a direct line to him, but uh, I'll try to do what I can do. You, you can call the office. You'll get an intern at first, and they'll, they'll, they'll send you to minion hell, but that's I'm used to that. <laughs> I get that all the time. So, Jonathan, we'll have to pick up your Tennessee case next Next week until yeah, I guess so, but that's all right. This is this is a great discussion. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, thanks. So let me let me finish up the the third part here of of uh, Gingles. Um, uh, third, the minority. This is the test. The Supreme Court. I mean, the biggest thing. One of the things here is the Supreme Court says. I mean, my interpretation, and I'm doing mm-hmm. this tongue-in-cheek, would be right. the Supreme Court is saying, you know, we got it wrong 37 years ago with Gingles, and like, wow, we don't want to change. What was Gingles? Um, what did so that case says, say? Was that, was that, that was the case, case that brought the I, I haven't looked it up. But it the was, Voting it, Rights it, Act? It was, okay. it was, yeah, it was right after the Voting Rights Act was amended. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> um, put it, creating some uncertainty here. So it says the third, the minority must be able to demonstrate that the white majority votes sufficiently as a block to enable it to defeat the minority's preferred candidates. Again, why might why, why white? You know, why not uh, Japanese? Or, well, you know, who else lives in the south? Some... Here's a question for Yankee. We've got more black immigrants now. We've got Nigerians. We've got Jamaicans. We've got Ghanans. Mm-hmm. We've got all Kenyans. We've got all kinds of folks coming to the United States Somalians. who are black. But and who? Somalians, like Yellow Somalians, Omar. Yeah, well, that's, they're, they're they're Muslim. That's kind of a different group, I would think. Well, uh, it's well, a minority. Maybe. Why does it have to be white? Is there are black folks that are coming here that are not of a an American black. So how about that Somali That's district? True. Do they get their own? Do the Somali, the black Somalis, up in Minnesota, do they get their own district now? Well, you raise a good question because they don't share the historical. What does mm-hmm. it say here? Um, ah, we'll have to find it again. But neither um, neither the, do um, black Americans today. The, neither black right. nor white Americans share the historical perspective of slavery, either for the black slave owners or the whites that were, uh, you know, killed for, for the, you know, whatever. I mean, right. it's, it's, yeah. It, you know, so the black G- slave owners. describes the, the essence right. of a Section 2 claim is when a certain electoral law, practice, or structure interacts, whatever the hell that means, with mm-hmm. social and historical conditions to cause an inequality in the opportunities enjoyed by black and white voters. And again, why mm-hmm. black and white? That's not, I mean, the, the 15th Amendment is, yeah. is about race and color. It doesn't say anything about black or white. Yeah. Um, but there has to be social and historical conditions. And like you say, the his social and historical conditions of all these uh, a, um, <clears throat> black or African or mm-hmm. Caribbean um, immigrants um, is going to be very, very different from other other members of the same uh, skin color group. Um, you know, it's interesting. But, um, uh, right, go ahead. I just had a thought. No, go ahead. What? Well, at the Pianca and I were talking about a little bit about this earlier. What about um, middle class, upper middle class black families that might be stuck in a, a black district that might become a Democrat-run black district and might end up like Baltimore or Chicago? I mean, how many black middle-class families are going to move out to a white district, you know, because they don't want to live in a black plantation of the Democrat Party that these districts well, might that, become? So they're artificially depressing them by making them well, black so districts. I think, I think that's Just related to the mind reading. You know, the government is taking out, its, the FBI takes out its okay. secret mind reading psychic power. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, they actually did try this nonsense, the CIA, mm-hmm. and FBI, I think. You know, there, there are, you know, the, the men who stare at goats are talking yeah. about how they try to do uh, it. So, you know, our, our, um, our friends, the FBI, yes, we are laughing at you. And um, we're always laughing you know, at the they, FBI. They bring out their, <laughs> they bring the out their mind reading team right. and they get together and they, you know, and they say like, oh, our mind reading skills tell us that this district wanted, these voters really wanted to vote for, you know, for Joe Blow, but they, um, you know, and by coincidence, they want to that's vote who the Democratic black. Party wanted them to vote for, too. Yeah, they're telling people they want to vote black. It's like when Biden said, you know, if you don't know who to vote for, you're not black. In other words, black is not a skin color. It's actually a political classification, which is kind yeah. of interesting. Let me, we've got which about five minutes up. First, first Amendment. Go ahead. Huh? 
No, say that again. Which I, violates I the be, First Amendment. Because why? For the government to be deciding the correct uh, political opinions. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I was wondering the connection. There's one thing you mentioned earlier about how the Constitution gets enforced, and something we should talk about more is a law that I found about 10 years ago that only a certain amount of people know about. <clears throat> it's 18 U.S. Code Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. And this is how I believe the Constitution can be enforced. It says, if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district in the free, and here are the key words, exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States, or because of his having uh, so exercised the same, uh, and then it says, skips over another different things on highway. That's the Matthew Shepard clause. Then it says, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And, and then it says, the death results. That's the Matthew Shepard thing again. Basically, this says very clearly that any, and it doesn't say that government's exempt from this, that if any or more persons, and that could be the Congress or the Supreme well, Court. That, that's where you probably or, have to sue, whether you probably, they probably have to charge the individual. Um, who, you know, the, the government official or personnel rather than the government as a whole. No, you couldn't. And that's yeah, exactly. a whole other scam. But in other words, the, one of the ways that the Constitution can be enforced is this clause, is this, this title right here. Title yeah, but, but section you, you left out the part, you, you left out the part in Disappearing Inc. about, um, you know, it, it applies to, uh, to white nationalist uh, conservative <laughs> extremists. Well, <laughs> Ooh, um, let, me get to, let me get to the other part, which I think is even more interesting, is Section 242, Deprivation of Rights Under Color of Law. Now, does color of law include the judiciary because they enforce the law? Yes. Okay. So it says, whoever under color of, of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom willfully subjects any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, position, or district to deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities, same basic thing. Uh, or do different or different punishments, da, 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 or by reason of his color or race, then are prescribed for punishment of citizens shall be fined uh, or jailed under this section, section two. So anybody who does the same thing as Title 18, Section 241, while under color of law, can also be fined and jailed for restricting rights. So if that includes the judiciary, that could include the Supreme Court. That would include anybody right. along the way that violates the well, exercise or enjoyment of rights. Historically, well, when when the South that happens was, all the time, yeah, when the South was implementing the Democrat Party's Jim Crow laws right. and and terrorizing freed slaves and and and, and blacks, um, uh-huh. some of the most common abuses were by um, local and state courts and sheriffs and um, yeah. and the whole process. So so the, the fact that there would be laws against things. Uh, people would attack and abuse um, and, you know, whatever, burn down houses of, of, of blacks. And they'd be caught. They'd be brought into to court. And the court would, um, and the juries would let the, the Democrat Party's KKK arm of the, of the Democrat Party, the KKK, get away with it. Um, so courts are historically, you know, well within the, the realm of, of abusing civil rights under the color of law. Interesting. But, but the, problem, the problem is, is that anything that would do good for the country, mm-hmm. um, the courts aren't interested. Anything that would help actual citizens 
enforce their rights, the courts, the courts don't want to hear about it. I mean, if I file, of course, you know, something like that, they will find a thousand ways to, to dismiss the case. So do the courts, as I suspect, being uh, employees of the government, serve first the government? And is that not a conflict of interest? Yes. So that's I mean, why the jury... Right. I mean, even a prosecutor is, is well established mm-hmm. that, they must, that they must serve justice before their employer. But so therefore... Nobody, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. Well, they don't, and nobody holds them accountable. Right. I've tried. But, yeah, exactly. So therefore, the only, this is why I've long contended that the most powerful entity in any courtroom is the jury, because they represent the people, and they are the only check of the judge and the prosecutor who represent the government. And so in that way, we need to inform yeah, our juries and empower our juries with jury nullification. But they are, they are the least prepared to do it. Well, they need they, to go to they're, jury they're school. They're the most vulnerable to being manipulated. Yeah, they need to go to jury school. And that which should be part of. See, I would yeah. put that, you know how we talk about uh, founding documents. In fact, one of, the, one of Trump's, we never quite finished them, but I was going over all of Trump's uh, proposals for, for the country. I've got his whole 2024 campaign platform right here because he mentioned it in the Georgia speech. And one of them, let me see if I can find it here. Fake news, pharma. Oh, he actually mentioned North Carolina. Require every civil service employee to pass a test on the Constitution. Oh, yeah, I was nope. cheering. I mean, that was, yeah, that was people interesting. Were saying, that got the biggest applause. I know we're out of That's okay. We can go over time a few minutes. It's okay. We actually have an hour, but I don't want to spend that long. Well, we're, we're out of I know, but the thing is, uh-huh. um, people were trying, you know, the, the rhinos, right. um, and, you know, if you remember the Rush Limbaugh seminar caller, Rush, yeah. I love you. I love almost everything you say, but, but this thing I can't stomach and I'm never going to listen again. Right. Fake, fake, fake. Mm-hmm. You know, like today we would say fed. Um, so everyone was attacking the, the way you know that, that Trump's North Carolina speech was magnificent is how, how the rhinos are attacking it. Oh, they are. I haven't heard the news yet. I've been, I was preparing for the show since four this morning. So, yeah, I got yeah. kind of busy. So they're, yeah. they're saying that he was petty and juvenile and attacking Ron DeSantis and Nobody wants that. Yo, hell, they do. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a moderate when it comes to, you know, if the if the establishment wants to attack, you know, Trump, you know, oh hell no. Um, and you know, the, the establishment does not understand that we hate them with the heat of a thousand suns. Yeah. And there is nothing. You know, yes, this is exact. Yeah, we do want someone to fight. We do not want some pansy up there. We want um, Ted Kennedy. I mean, we want uh, Teddy Roosevelt. We want John, we want George Patton. We mm-hmm. want uh, Winston Churchill. All the people that would horrify these establishments. Like, oh yeah. my God, he would be. You know, if if Lind, if Winston Churchill were running, they'd be like, oh my God, he's so. He's so uncouth. Hell yeah. You know, that's what we want. <laughs> well, see, this is the difference between the people selecting the government and the government selecting the government. I have long contended that yeah. the government, and this is why things are so bad now, if the government, well, the government stole the government, and this is the government they want. 
They want prestige, privilege, title. They want no energy for us, no economy for us. The environmental wackos want uh, no gas stoves, no choice of anything. So there's no choice. So the people have no choice. In other words, they reverse it. It's, I talked about the Second Amendment in reverse, where the government has all the guns they want and the people have nothing. What the government really wants is the Constitution in reverse, where they have all power and the people are extremely limited. That's, and I'm going to write, right. I, should, I should write an article on that. Reverse, you know, Constitution because, in reverse. Yeah, go ahead. Because the rhinos and things, you know, uh-huh. don't know any real people, um, they, yeah. you know, they say, well, you know, he, uh, Donald Trump was, Petty and insulting and abusive. Yeah, it's fabulous. As if yeah. that's as if that's a bad thing. You know, all all <laughs> well, of he was all direct. of the, uh, yeah. right, all of the American voters are going hell yeah, about time. Yeah, yeah. go. You that's know, why you I got go elected. There, you, you, yeah, but they still don't get it. I'm, I'm amazed. Like after all this time, the establishment still can't figure it out. It's like it's plain, it's right there in front of them, and they can't. Well, you said it, it. They only talk to each other. Did you ever read my article yep. on the nation of government, where I talk about yeah, Washington D.C. being its own country with sovereign borders? Potomac. I, I know we're out of time, but it's it's Potomac fever. No, that's they, okay. they say that when people come to the to Washington yeah. from from around the country, they drink the water and they they come down with Potomac fever. <laughs> Let me say about uh, Blog Talk. We actually have an hour after the show ends, and it all ends up on the podcast. Judy Mikevitz and I and her, her literary agent went 45 minutes overtime on Friday. It's all on the, it's all on the, the tape. So they, they do, we can't, nobody can call in, you know, and the, the live chat doesn't work anymore. But as far as the show, this is all, this is all being recorded. Um, so let me tell you what happened last week, too, uh, on Friday. Uh, I told you that um, Tony Lyons, the uh, CEO of uh, Skyhorse Publishing, knows Alan Dershowitz, and he's going to work to get him on the show. Um, that was fabulous. Judy is also taking our bill, uh, the Vaccine Product Liability Bill, to uh, Robert Francis Kennedy, who also was published by Tony Lyons. So Judy and Tony hopefully going to work on him on that. So all these things are going on behind the scenes. There's some really incredible things happening right now. I've been talk- I actually got to talk to Matt Gates finally. You know, when you know, after the rally, most everybody had mm-hmm. gone, and we, we had a couple of minutes. And I think I'll be able to get him back on the show. That opens up Mike Lindell, Donald Trump, Steve Bannon. That opens up huge opportunities for us to have the access that we need to be able to get our bills out there. So there's some really incredible things happening right now. Um, I just have one last question. Uh, It's a procedural kind of thing. We talk about the Voting Rights Act in Section 2 and all these different acts, but when you look them up in law, they have uh, titles and stuff. So I've got the Voting Rights Act... Yeah, and then I, I have. I lost you in there a second. What? Okay, so let me start again. So the, I have the Voting Rights Act, you know, the whole transcript of it, right? And and then I have uh, the title that I think it's under, which is Title Fifty Two, um, Section One Hundred One Hundred One, or Section One, and then Section uh-huh. Two. So, is that? Do I have the right one? In other words, when I look at the Voting Rights well, Act, that's, it says one that's thing. Tricky. But, but but what happens is is that. Okay. When, when, a, when a bill is proposed, <clears throat> it's uh-huh. given a, a popular name, um, you know, a title. Right. And, you know, the, the, um, y- you know, the, 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 the bill, the bill to um, kill all Christians will be called, you know, the saving warm puppies, warm, warm and fuzzy puppies bill. <laughs> yeah. The, the religious diversity. Act. Yeah. The religious and, diversity uh, and preservation uh, act. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then it gets passed, 
and it's assigned what they call a session session number, a session law, which is what session of Congress it was passed under and the okay. the law either and it's also known but it's also known as the the bill. So if if it's you know if it's filed bill at the beginning of a session, then it will be HR 10. Right. Um, and the Senate, it might get filed with a different number, you know, like HR 20 S or S 25. And they go through different evolution and they get reconciled, hopefully, you know, perhaps, and, and they get passed. And then they're assigned a session, uh, number, which is the year, you know, the, the session of Congress, like the 117th Congress and mm-hmm. what law was passed. And then, then there's a process of codification where, um, I, I forget who does it. I don't know, but they'll, they'll take and they'll codify the session laws and put them in some kind of order by topic. Yeah. Title, section, so, chapter. Right. Right. Both things. So you will see both numbers. You'll see three or four different numbers for the same bill and a, okay. and a, and a, um, and you have to watch the fact that the bill, as proposed, may go through changes before it's finally enacted. Well, see, by that's the why I go through the actual U.S. Code, because I found that, that the Voting Rights Act, if I look it up and I get it, I'm going to get the, the original law in 1965. But if I go to Title 52, uh, Code 10101, Voting Rights, I get the actual current law, and that's what I work with because that's what everybody else works with. Even though it's called the Voting Rights Act, this is the, the, the title and section and chapter and, you know, verse and A1, B2, C3 that they've actually, that the Voting Rights Act has become in law, in the U.S. code. And that's why I go by that. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's it, but there's no, they don't say this is the Voting Rights Act. They just say 52 right. U.S. Code, Section 101, which is confusing. I wish right. they'd be more direct. Well, the, 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 the bill as proposed, the bill, not, not the law. Right. Um, the um, will have a section, you know, like probably section one is this mm-hmm. law may be referred to as the, you know, w- you know, warm and fluffy puppies bill of 2025. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then they'll come up with some cute acronym these days. We didn't used to do that um, yeah. with letters. So, um, um but but yeah but and if you go if you search for something you know title 52 USC something you'll you'll often come up with the Cornell University Law Library Well that's what I'm on that's my favorite one I use them all right. the time And if you look at the bottom you'll see a bunch of incomprehensible numbers <laughs> and that's actually the history Oh okay That's the history of of the amendments that it went through yeah. No, I've got uh, Cornell Law School, Legal Information Institute, U.S. Code Title 42, and the subtitles are Voting Rights, Voting Assistance, and Federal Campaign Finance. Subtitles okay, 1, 2, you, and 3. If you have to, mm-hmm. then I go if, to, if you have to go through, even as a law lawyer or law student with access mm-hmm. to a good law library, to go mm-hmm. back and find the earlier versions is mm-hmm. one hell of a pain in the neck. No, that's why I use the latest version. If it's been amended, what? I don't want the early versions. I want the current version because that's what I have to deal with, right, especially but, if but I'm changing it. Sometimes you yeah. want to. Sometimes you want to see how it was changed. Oh, okay. So when they and say it's, section it's two, really hard. 
and, and if I'm trying to find Section 2, so Section 2 in the Voting Rights Act uh, is very simple. It says no voting qualification or prerequisite to voting or standard practice or procedure shall be imposed or applied by any state or political subdivision to deny or abridge the right of any citizen of the United States to vote on account of race or color. It's basically the 15th Amendment is what Section 2 is of the Voting Rights Act. So then I go to um, back they could to have, the They event. could have just said, please see the 15th Amendment. Next. <laughs> yeah, but then you have to go back and forth all the time. So then I go to Cornell Law School. I mean, Cornell, uh, yeah, Cornell Law School Legal Information Institute, and I find Titles 52, U.S. Code, Section 10101, Voting Rights. And, it, and then I find Section 2, uh, no person, uh, all, oh, Section 1, all citizens of the United States or otherwise. It basically explains it a little bit more. So they've amended the language, but it, comes, it amounts to the same thing. No one can be discriminated against... Uh, you know, or it says everybody shall be entitled and allowed to vote at all such elections without disting- distinction of race, color, or previous condition of servitude, which once again is the Fifteenth Amendment. So, but this right. section two doesn't but, translate; it actually becomes section one here. One of the reasons why this is so hard mm-hmm. is is that, for example, originally the con- the U.S. Constitution has nothing to do with who can vote. Pure, right. 100% state issue. Mm-hmm. And so there is nothing in the original Constitution about, about voting, mm-hmm. about who can vote, who qualifies to vote, how to vote. Um, I mean, and um, so, I mean, the 12th Amendment, you know, refers to the fact that people might vote, but, um, but it doesn't say anything about who's qualified. Like, for example, the you know, people will say that originally um, women weren't allowed to vote. Well, that's completely a state issue. That's got nothing to do with our Constitution. Um, whether blacks were allowed to vote. Uh, ironically, the only time the Constitution refers to blacks or Indians, uh, slaves, it, it, it refers to um, who's taxed. You know, it, does, it doesn't talk about whether they are allowed to vote. It talks about whether we get to tax them. Right. That's interesting. Um, anyway, um, so then they ran into problems. And, of course, as the federal government grew, it became more and more intrusive into the, into the work of, of the states. And we decided that um, that we really, you know, the states really shouldn't be doing certain things. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of a convoluted mess because, you know, if if the Constitution said here's who can vote, all you'd have to do would be to just change that sentence. But there isn't anything about who can vote, so they have to go in there and try to try to you know layer on top of the Constitution something that's really not addressed in the Constitution. And then yep. try to so they've got this mission. Well, it's, it, it's a political agenda. They're they're trying to fulfill a political agenda using the Supreme Court, which is what the left does. I'm just a little a little not much, but a little surprised that Roberts and uh, Kavanaugh are so willing to go along with this. What happened to them? I don't know. That's well, not. Weird. I mean, we've lost Roberts a long time ago. Right. Um, I mean, well, we lost Frat uh, Boy too, apparently. Yeah. Well, Frat that Boy. I am surprised by. Yeah. 
I mean, I was surprised when Roberts went over to the dark side, but um, originally. Do you think like, Kavanaugh well, is trying to prove he's a nice guy, or he's uh, he's not the people that he's not the person that they said in his confirmation hearing? Is that still hanging over his head? In which know, case, maybe. it worked. Yeah. Well, do you know who who we should have on the Supreme Court? Huh? Do you, do you know who we absolutely should have on the, on the Supreme Court? Are you, to really do you have someone in mind? Yeah, me. Who, what? <laughs> me. Yeah, okay. I want to be on the court. Okay. It would be outrageous. Are you um, kidding? Listen, can you imagine my confirmation <laughs> hearing? I'd be correcting everything that they said that was wrong. I, I would nominate Janice Rogers Brown. Oh, there you go. Can you get her on the show? No. She's a, oh. she's a, a court of appeals justice a judge. So oh, that might be a little tough. Okay. Let me see if I can get Dershowitz on. That'd be fun too. <laughs> All right. We should probably end up here. <laughs> We've been having way too okay. much fun. Thank you for the extra time today. I really appreciate it. I think uh, this was fabulous and we'll get Dorothy back next week. But, uh, you know, if you ever need right. more time for, for a time, you can always start. What's that? I might need a note to my boss as to where, you know, why behind on other things. But Oh, I can give you an excuse to um, because you were brilliant. All right. All I'll write right. you one of those. You guys, I mean, some of the stuff that I wanted to make, I just sat back and let you guys go at it. They were, they were, you're right on target. Uh, all right. Talk to you. Check later. out the first hour too. You might find that interesting as well. But uh, yeah, sure. thank you, sir. We'll do it next week. All right. Bye. Take care. All right. What a day, huh? See all the fun we have here? It's an amazing place, Action Radio. Um, let me just uh, play a couple more things, then I'll have our musical selection for today. There's nothing really much I can say about today's show. We pretty much covered everything uh, in excruciating detail, and that was good. So tomorrow we've got uh, uh, Brianna Cannon with the Government Inquiry Report. We've got uh, Josie Cassi with the Latina Report. In the third hour, I have no idea. But I got so much left over from today that I didn't get to. But I have enough stuff for the week. Uh, oh, I put um, uh, Leonard Nimoy's... Uh, you know, uh, winter, global winter in, in, in Mosley is a messenger and also uh, put it in the, uh, the comedy section. We have a new action radio comedy freedom frontier. That's our new group um, because it was so funny to see it. I had, I had to put it in the comedy place. All right, a couple more things to play for you guys and then uh, that'll be it for today. Our main website for the show, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. On that, we have our, our live chat, which you can uh, register and get a free account. We also have the Skype line there if you want to call us online. Uh, and then our le- legislative website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And then we have my substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. And we also have our contributions at givesendgo.com slash actionradio. And my uh, public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. And that should do it. That should do it for you guys. And we'll play more stuff uh, in a little bit. Uh, I, no, excuse me. I'm just rambling on here. Um, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time, and we will do it all again. Which should be fun. Oh, slight delay. Ah, here it comes. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day.
Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.